Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. It is Monday, October 9th, 2017. I want to welcome everyone to our program. Thank you so much for listening, tuning in to our flagship program, the Hagman Report. Of course, we've got uh, five hours of programming per day, uh, 9 to 10 Eastern Time, the Doug Hagman Show, and then 2 to 3, John and Joe. And, of course, the flagship uh, show, you're listening to it and watching it. And that's uh, 7 to 10, of course, tonight. We've got a good show planned out for you. First hour, we're going to be covering some news and analyzing some information that we have. And, of course, hours 2 and 3, we've got guests coming up, including Greg Jackson in hour 2. And uh, uh, from there, well, just stay tuned. We, we've got a we've got a fantastic uh, lineup for you. And Billy Crone on hour 3, by the way. Um, a couple of things. Um but you know what? Before we get into, but by the way, I would urge everyone to uh, uh, to to subscribe to our YouTube channel, if 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 you, if you if you would please. The reason being is, of course, there there are people who have subscribed that have been unsubscribed, and you know how it goes. And there, there's power in numbers. There's power in numbers, and of course, the Christian conservatives are under assault every day. The conservatives, the moral conservatives, the uh, uh, political conservatives, we are under assault every single day. And that would help us out by you subscribing to our YouTube channel as well as our social networking feed. We're going to be doing more and more on our social networking feed. Kind of not feeding the beast, but, but using the beast's own tools in an inf- information war against them. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing there. Uh, before we get into the show, Joe, I, I want to, I just want to, uh, of course, uh, traditionally, from our mailbag, what do you think? Absolutely. Uh, well, I, that I just want to keep. Okay. Not, you know, not right now. Um, only because there's some. I mean, it's it's good to go, but it's not. Oh, yeah. Well, and you'll folks will see this yeah, later. Yeah. Um. Okay. So from the mailbag, and, and I want to thank everyone who sends us both emails and um, hard copy, you know, postal mail. We read everything. In fact, uh, it, it's got a chain of custody, shall we say. And we really appreciate your, your kind words and of course your support. But so from the mailbag, this from, uh, this from Bev B. And, uh, I remember meeting Bev B, I believe it was, uh, from, and she's from Dublin, Ohio. Alright. But I remember meeting Bev B. Uh, she writes, now this is, this goes back to July. And the reason I pulled this one out is because I didn't, I should have done this, actually July 30th. I should have done this a, a while back. And she writes, thanks for keeping the public informed. I would have lost all hope for the years I've been fighting uh, myself to wake up my family. You have the, you have the same outrage for what the quote progressives have done to this country. Stay healthy, stay alert, and God bless you in this country. With sincere appreciation, Bev B. 
Thank you, Bevby, and uh, thank you so much for your... It, this does really make a difference to us. Um, this I found extremely... I just I just really laughed. I, I, I got... I, this tickled me. Uh, I don't know if you can see this card. It's a... Uh, <laughs> it's actually from Trader Joe's, and um, it says Super Sleuth Detective Agency, and it's got a uh, it's it's kind of a cartoon about a, a PI agency, and this of course is from uh, uh, Christine M. I didn't. I almost said the. I gotta be careful not to give the whole names out. Blessings, Doug and Joe. Without your help, I would have been clueless. Thanks. And thanks for all that uh, you do to keep us informed. But I just love the card. And this is going to be go up on our bulletin board. We can, And by the way, we keep all of the notes. And then this one, got to give a shout out to Victoria B. from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Thank you so much. Now this, this has me stumped. Remember Johnny Carson? This has, for those, for those listening on Global Star. BTR. Anyway, this had this had me stumped. I'm not sure if it's a hostage note or what, but here here it is, right here. This has me stumped. It's, it's a very short, very short note. I'll read it verbatim. Nice job, Hagman. Very mature. Your wife must be so proud of you. Signed, Victoria. I don't have a clue what that means. You should, apparently. I, I didn't ask my wife if she's proud. And, and I take it, it it was meant for me. So, um, Victoria B. from Va- Vancouver, British Columbia. Is it the water up there? Uh, I, I, the air? I, I don't know. But at any rate, um, and, and she spent, uh, you know, she spent some money to send this, right? I mean, it's not... It's not exactly cheap to send a international mail thing. But please so, send a clarification. Too. Anyway, so I, I just I thought that was rather funny, and of course we have a seriously we have a a, a box of mail the size of one of the postal boxes, and uh, we we do we just we just thank you for writing in, and some of the letters are so incredible. We spend hours reading and. And, uh, I mean, I've laughed, I've cried, uh, you know, you know how that, that saying goes, but it's just amazing. So thank you for, for engaging with us. Um, now I'm going to open it up with this and then Joe, you can take it from wherever you want to take it. But, uh, Antifa are receiving military training in Syria. Okay. Now I've got this on, on, and I'm going somewhere with this. I mentioned this during my morning show this morning. The the progressive left is training, is receiving training from ISIS and Islamic terrorists. And and they're actually mostly in mostly what this is referring to is the European Antifa, the European um shall we say Revcoms, if you will. But having said that, there are members according to some FBI reports that you're not going to see where Antifa members here in the United States are actually uh, going to Europe and then crossing into the Syrian, crossing the Syrian border to receive military training from members of ISIS. 
and you're going to find this happening more and more. And and and, and this now again, primarily you're looking at the uh, the so-called anti-fascism slash fascism movement in Europe, but it's beginning to trend here in the United States. And I do believe you're going to see more and more of this and hear more and more about this. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, I think Infowars reported on this. In fact, Prison Planet reported on this, where security agencies are concerned that these the Antifa members will will in fact uh, continue their revolution at home once they return. And in fact, that is what the uh, what what is suggested. Um, something to think about too, and I I want to mention this very 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 quickly. You know, Joe, you you like the NFL. People well, at one at one point like the NFL, and many people like like football. You know, the kneeling, uh, the, the, the players kneeling. Okay. Now, consider this. And of course, Vice President Pence walking out on a, on a football game this past weekend. And, and if Go I ahead. can jump in, yeah, jump because in. I know what people jump are in. saying. I, I've seen reports that, um, you know, this was a, some kind of a setup that he went there in order to walk out. And I've been, um, following the NFL closely, and I say closely, I mean more more so than the last few years. And uh, part of that is watching, you know, the players kneel on these different events and seeing the reporting. And two, they, they obviously in the beginning of the game just like to show different people that are there. And from what I can tell, Pence has been in a, a, quite a few games, um, especially lately. So I, this is not a, out of um, an odd behavior type thing for him. He attends these it's, it's, it's so not a, yeah, it's not a character. No, it's not. Well, I just want to make it clear in, in my personal opinion that this kneeling and whatever the objection would be during the national anthem has nothing to do with racism, but, uh, this is really giving a big middle finger to the President of the United States. That's what this is all about. It's a big middle finger to President Donald Trump. It's a big middle finger to white America. And it's a, uh, it's really intellectual and moral, uh, condes- uh condescension and, and cowardice in my view. You look at the NFL owners and you look at the players, um, owning a football team, a pro football team, is a cash cow. Taxpayers subsidize the game. Mm-hmm. All right. Think stadiums. about this. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there are 12 stadiums in the United States, including the one in Buffalo. The taxpayers paid for and the owners actually made money off of the building of the stadiums. And they've got the, the nerve to charge the average American, the charge of anyone who can afford a ticket, uh, it costs, on average, it costs a family of four anywhere between four and five hundred dollars to attend a football game. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and up. the right. reason, and Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, the reason that they started doing, um, <clears throat> these tax deals with the city and the stadiums is because back in the nineties and before that you had teams that would, want to move out of the stadiums. One of the, the more well-known ones was the Cleveland Browns in the ni- late 90s went to the B- Baltimore and became the Baltimore Ravens. And I believe the cities wanted these contracts with their teams, so a way to do it was to put taxpayer money up and have the city own the stadiums was a way to try to keep the owners there. 
I believe well, that, right, that's right. part of and, it. And I think that that's, that's true. Or I that's been the excuse. That's been the excuse, indeed. Well, the NFL right now, the owners are, are making a ton of money. Uh, consider that the average, uh, the average seat, and I'm not talking, and I'm talking about the nosebleed seat. Uh, nosebleed seats are $85 for the average seat. Beer, 10 bucks. Um, parking is around 30 on average. So you're looking at right there, you know, a hundred and a half approximately just, just for, to attend a game. And you've, you've got the, the, the nerve of these, uh, these elite players giving the middle finger to our president, our country. And everything it stands for. And I'm tired of the Christian. By the way, I'm very, very tired. If you are a Christian out there and you say, well, uh, you know, this is, uh, the flag is idol worship. Okay. Get over yourself. All right. In my view, you, you've got some, some, there's something not firing right. If, if that's how you think it's about respect. It's not about idol worship. It's about simple respect. Apparently your, your mommy, and daddy didn't teach you right when you were growing up. But having said that, and, and yeah, I'm talking to, I'm talking to the Christian out there who's saying, well, it's, you know, it, I don't, it's, we shouldn't idol, we shouldn't, we, sh- we shouldn't worship the flag. No one's worshiping the flag. Anyway, well, it, it just, it just gets me because sometimes I, I believe Christians were our own worst enemies sometimes. And conservatives too. But, but consider this about the NFL and then we can, Go wherever. Seventy percent of the uh, capital costs of the NFL stadiums are paid for by the taxpayers. And as I said, a dozen stadiums across the country have actually made money for the owners, paid for by the taxpayers. Uh, let me just example: Paul Allen, Seattle Seahawks owner, co-founder of Microsoft, with Bill Gates. He's one of the world's richest men. Um, Washington State residents, the taxpayers, uh, paid $390 million of the $560 million it cost to build the stadium. Plus, he's making a ton of money on the on the backside, back end of that. Minnesota Vikings owner, uh, $506 million that he received from the uh, uh, taxpayers of, uh, of Minnesota. New Orleans, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Tom Benson. You know how much he got for that stadium? A billion dollars. A billion dollars. That's what you and I pay. Well, the taxpayers pay. Assuming you're a taxpayer. And then you've got the so-called conservative Bobby Jindal, or Bobby Jindal, depending on where you're from. Um, uh, since, uh, he, he, he had actually sent the New Orleans Saints a six million, or promised them, uh, signed a bill, shall we say, six million dollars per year just not to move out of the state. <laughs> the NFL league commissioner, forty million dollars a year, making forty million dollars a year. Can you believe that? The NFL commissioner. Now, it's it's not a, it's not the fact that we're against making a profit. It's the fact that the tax subsidies are an issue here. Now, one more thing, you want to talk about. The kneelers, the so-called kneelers in the NFL. Let's look at let's look at them for a moment. And if if you go to a website called NFLArrest.com, it will tell you 
that uh, since 2000, since the year 2000, the NFL players, the people who are disrespecting the flag and the anthem and the country and giving the middle finger to the president of the players since 2000, 218 have been arrested and convicted of DUI. Another 100 on drug violations, 98 uh, drug crimes, that is. Another 98 uh, convicted of domestic violence. There were 74 convictions for assaults, 44 disorderly conduct, and 34 gun violations since the year 2000. And those, of course, are the people who are giving the middle finger to not just white America, but to the, specifically to the President of the United States. And uh, that, to me, is a sin. Now, real quick, and then uh, I want to just mention Las Vegas. Uh, Joe, there was on Wednesday, there was a, uh, and I caught this and I, I mentioned this this morning. I just want to mention this again. I don't know how this kind of flew under my radar for a couple of days, but it was last week when the, um, when, uh, Sheriff Joseph Lombardo had a press conference. There was a question asked of him. And the question was, do you think that this was all accomplished on his own, meaning the, the, the shooter in Las Vegas? The answer yeah. was kind of convoluted and it, he said some things and then took it back, you know, because he didn't want to make this paddock sound like a hero or superhero thing. But he, here's the money line. It would be hard for me to believe that. In other words, it would be hard for him to believe that he acted alone. And I agree with that. The Las Vegas uh, Metropolitan Police Department, they know the motive behind the attacks. They know that he didn't act alone. They know that there there is a conspiracy by its very de- definition involved in this. But the FBI will not allow them to release the motive because it implicates, uh, it provides, there's a lot of implications here, not the least of which is, is, is potential gun, um, a potential Barry Seal kind of proprietary organization going on as well as, uh, some other things that include, um, money laundering and this goes back to his days at Lockheed Martin as well. And if you think that he made his millions off playing video poker, you get another thing coming. Where's the best place to launder money? Of course, it's a casino. And, uh, so, um, also, by the way, I can, uh, I, I'm not going to repeat this, Joe. I decided not to. I did go over, I believe I did either was on the pack. I was on K, uh, KFAQ this morning with Pat Campbell. Um, well, you know what? Here, here are the facts that we know, and then you take it from here. It was last, it was a week ago Sunday, October 1st, 2017 at 10.05 local time when, uh, the shots, the first shots rang out. There were initially the information that we have. Now the public information said two bullets were fired at two uh, aviation fuel tanks at McCarran International Airport. According to the information I have, there were seven. Not difference of five shots. And of course the, the target was the Route 91 Music uh, Festival. That was the venue. And I think we can all agree that the shots began during the performance, the, the closing performance, uh, Jason Aldean. Um, the timeline that, that I've been, I've put together through numerous research is very simple. At 10.05, seven shots rang out. Two struck the fuel tanks. The shooter then dumps four 100 round magazines into the crowd. The average gap between the bursts of gunfire is between 25 and 26 seconds. The average distance is from 463 yards to 490 yards, about 450 meters. At 1010, 
shoot, uh, the shooter fires five 100 round magazines. Again, with an average delay of 25 to 26 seconds between the, uh, shot volleys. At 10.12, the first two officers arrived on the 31st floor and announced that the shooting was right above them. So you're looking at a seven-minute response time from the first shot to the police arrival on the floor below. And um, just to add to your timeline, because there was a a news conference that was given just about an hour and 20 minutes ago by the Las Vegas Sheriff's Department, which they give a new timeline for the security guard. They say six minutes before Stephen Paddock opened fire on the crowd is when the security guard was shot. All right. So, so I mean, that's an interesting. Well, wait a second. Of, uh, okay, say that again because uh, okay, I want to add this into the timeline here. Uh, with the uh, press conference the Las Vegas Sheriff's Department gave today, right. they're saying that six minutes before Paddock opened fire on concert goers in Las Vegas is when he shot the security guard. So the security guard nine fifty five person local time. Right. So six minutes before anything happened. Right. Yep. Okay. The security guard. And this is according to, to Joseph Lombardo? Yep. And he said that the security guard was responding to a, a door alarm, initially believed to be panic, so it was not his door. Right. But Which, it could have been the adjoining room. Uh, I've got an issue with that. I've got a number of issues with respect to that. All right. And then they updated the escape plan. We do not know whether he planned to cause harm outside of the Mandalay Bay in response to... An update on the on the escape plan. Okay, last week I was and just to fill you in and everyone else in. Last week I was told that uh, that was not a suicide note, which of course that came that came out today or yesterday or over the weekend that it was supposedly the trajectories of the gun that very or the, of the uh, bullets that very might very well be. But it's my it's, it's I've received information that there is there was documentation taken there from that room. That included both ISIS style, uh, not ISIS stamped. This is from ISIS, but ISIS, uh, Islamic uh, literature, whether or not that had anything to do with the, uh, the calculations, whether it was, you know, the calculations were ISIS inspired because we know that they've published calculations such as that before ISIS has or the Islamic terrorists. We know that through the Al Batar publications as well as Inspire magazine and other Islamic publications. So we know that to be true. But in addition to that, some of the doodlings, drawings, whatever you want to call them, were some pretty elaborate escape plans as well. And finally, there is some information in addition to the Islamic component to the documentation, there were some uh, references made to uh, Antifa. When I say Antifa, I'm talking about the Revcom or the Revol- uh, uh, the uh, communist uh, movement in this country. And I'm going to just stop right there. It, it was not just one single piece of paper with calculations. There were documents. And I mean, when I say documents, I'm talking about papers, multiple papers that existed in, under his control that included those, those things. So, so that's interesting. So what you're saying, 959 then, it would be, uh, which would, you'd say six minutes prior to the first shots ringing out is when the reported shooting of the uh, security guard, and, and his mm-hmm. name, of course, is Jesus Campos. All right. Because we have, uh, according to, the 
official timeline, Jesus Campos arrived at the uh, paddock suite at 10.17, which would put it 12 minutes after the initial shots were fired. Now we're, now we have a difference of, uh, 18 minutes. Interesting. And 23 firearms, AR-15, AR-10, AR-47 and variants were found in his room, including a, uh, a revolver and a large, uh, amount of ammunition. Now, bottom line here is, uh, oh, by the way, the hotel, uh, people have been warned not to talk to anybody about this incident. The opera, um, uh, software used by ho- the hotel staffs, many hotels, by the way, as well as the valet software, have as that's been expunged or otherwise uh, grabbed by the FBI. And um, the um, it's uh, based on information uh, again. There was a pallet, if you will. Imagine, well, imagine one of the carts used by the. The, the bell carts, you know, filled with uh, filled with the uh, server or the servers with uh, uh, surveillance equipment or surveillance pieces, as well as the store surveillance storage taken from the Mandalay Bay Hotel. So there you have it. Oh, and. One last thing, and I, and I want to give a, a shout out to Alicia Powell. And she, uh, she was on with you folks last week. Um, the D- Department of Justice wants records of Seth Rich murder released. Did you talk to Alicia about that last week? Because um, this appears on the World Net Daily. No, no, uh, we didn't. <clears throat> this I found very interesting. Because all of this overlaps, I believe, and not necessarily the shooting in and of itself, but the when you're when you're looking at the Department of Justice, the FBI, their activities and, and such, uh, there's the the same people within the Department of Justice who have covered up Fast and Furious, for example, are still there and covering up even even Vegas to some extent. But the DOJ, in this case. Uh, wants the records of Seth Rich murder released, but the, getting fought by who? By the U.S. Attorney's Office for Washington, D.C. That's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Go ahead. We will be right back after this network break. Don't go anywhere. This is the Monday, October 9th, 2017 edition of Hagman Report. We'll be right back with one more segment of news and current events, followed by Greg Jackson in hour number two and Pastor Billy Crone in hour three. Stay tuned. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of end times fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. gentlemen to this monday edition of the hagman report we have um, new information on the vegas timeline as well as something i want to get into the california wildfires are pretty bad they are extensive they're all across the state from uh, los angeles all the way up through san francisco and a number of new fires were started last night or started last night around 8 or 9 p.m local time and then spread really rapidly. There's a, a huge um, weather pattern up there that, that has these wind gusts anywhere from 30 to 60 miles an hour. And they it was sustained for 24 hours starting last evening. So you have kind of a worst-case scenario, really dry land, uh, fires being started in, in odd places or starting in odd places, and you have this windstorm that is pushing the fires and they're already saying it's one of the worst in state's history, and I don't believe a, even a small percentage of this is contained. Now, I haven't looked at too many maps. I've seen some of the, the maps that have the different spots of where the fires are in California, but I, I know that um, a lot of 
overnight evacuations happened. People had to leave their house in the middle of the night. Hospitals and schools were also evacuated in some parts of the state. So it's a really uh, serious situation there. There's, there's been confirmed reports of deaths, arson, missing, arson. I have no, I have no doubt in my mind that some of these were not, not all, but some were arson. Well, that's uh, what's being looked into is at least the suspicious nature of the timing of three fires that seem to triangulate over a 200-mile radius into the some more populated areas of of Napa Valley and Sonoma County, and we'll have to to wait to see what. Um, if anything changes there. But yeah, there was a Al-Qaeda Islamic magazine that, that's been published and continues to be published that talked about this years ago and it's talked about it as recently as, as we this have seen year in January. Over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talks about, you know, setting fires in, uh, these places that are prone to wildfires right outside of residential areas and, and communities. Well, so that's being looked into, and and I think that we have to think bigger in, in all of this. We have to take a look at this and think bigger, uh, whether it's the shooting in Vegas or whether it is the collective mass shootings that we've seen over the past decade and a half, or even since the um, uh, Lubby's uh, shooting way back when. When was that? Eighty one uh, to the present. I think we have to think bigger, and I think that we have to look at this uh, now with respect to the fires and uh, the other mass casualty and destructive events taking place. I, I, don't, I, I don't want to ascribe maliciousness with respect to the fires where there is none, but I'm not so naive to believe that you can have the timing uh, with the fires and the, the uh, locations in such a manner that would cause massive destruction it being just a, a coincidence or an accident. I don't believe in coincidences to that extent. So, um, but, and one more thing, I just want to, as well, you know, we're hearing this ramping up from these anarchist groups, these seditious groups like Antifa, uh, from uh, other uh, indivisible, Black Lives Matter, whatever it is. Do not, in any way, shape, or form, underestimate the um, what Chris Cabotz and uh, John Guandalo has called have called the Red Green Axis AXIS and others as well Randall Terry and others that we've had on our program they've spoken about this alliance between the Islamics uh, the the Muslims and the communists and I say communists because I mean communists and the and. And I'll say this as well. Bernie, the supporters of Bernie Sanders, it amazes me how many otherwise sane and rational people follow or support Bernie Sanders. Now, I I will say this. I do believe that the Democratic primary was stolen inside the DNC by Hillary Clinton from Bernie Sanders. Is that troublesome? Absolutely. Even, even though it's Bernie Sanders, the fact that our sacrosanct election process was, uh, that was done within our, within the election process by the Clintonites and the DNC and Debbie Wasserman Schultz. But to me, and, and Joe, kick in on this, uh, anyone who says that they are, they are, uh, 
followers of Bernie Sanders, uh, an avowed socialist. I have a problem with with. I have a problem with that. How in the world can you live and work and exist in a representative republic called the United States of America, under the United States Constitution, and support a socialist or a communist in the form of Hillary Clinton? I want to ask you that. How is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. Um you know, I want to go back to something you talked about earlier because we talked about this off air a few months ago. Yes. The Antifa training in Syria. Yes. And John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Brandon House reported on Antifa training in Venezuela. Yes. Oh, yes. About, a, about three weeks to a month ago on our show. And I saw over the summer. We have to pull that, that sound bite out. Some of the videos of the, what they were talking about with, with Syria. And I don't know, I mean, um, I, I'd have to see more evidence. I don't know what you saw, and I don't know what, what Brandon saw, but I believe that there is the possibility that, that this is going on. It does seem a little far-fetched, but at the same time, um, nothing's out of the realm of possibilities well, with the people this, and the funding behind. This comes from FBI sources, or federal sources within the FBI, and, and this goes to... Um, this go, And Joe, the, to answer your question, this goes from the... Uh, the rank and file of the FBI agents directly to people like Randall Terry. And there's, there's documentation, uh, that exists and, and under the Lynch, under the Holder and Lynch Department of Justice, this was, uh, actually held back from, uh, this was known under those two, uh, DOJ admin, uh, uh, heads of the, the Department of Justice, but it was held back from the, uh, from the public and the FBI had reported on this and yet they declined the, the Department of Justice declined even to um, to authorize prosecutions of those people coming back into this country avowing to disrupt our our, our electoral and our, uh, our process of civilization if you will the larger sense so it's, it amazes me how this it's just I'm amazed but I don't know if that answers your question, but it was, it's, the FBI, the FBI keeps track, look, the FBI keeps track of everything. The, and by the way, the uh, paddock, you know, it's, it's in the news where that, uh, let me ask you this. If you were to ask the average person on the street, how many financial transactions did, uh, uh, paddock send over, uh, via casino, wire, wire transfers or transfers, uh, via the casino, what would it be? How many have we heard? Well, we've only heard about the the most recent one, the one hundred and twenty seven thousand dollar transfer to the Philippines to the Mary Lou Danley. He's conducted uh, at a minimum two hundred such transfers, not necessarily of that of that amount, but uh, the FinCEN unit, the Financial Crimes Unit, looking into uh, uh, upwards of two hundred suspicious uh, activity reports. Two hundred two zero zero, and again, this is not done by video poker i saw that number somewhere else in a report or uh, open source it was about the it was over 200 reports of steve paddock at the casino or in the casino the it was like a las vegas file apparently they had on him and they it said over 200 200 plus reports of paddock but he didn't interact with people 
um, at the at the casino or something like that. It it was it was a real. I'll have to show you because okay, it was really yeah, strange. These are two hundred monetary transactions. Okay, yeah, this wasn't specific to monetary transaction, right. from what I could tell. Well, because um, and of course, you know, yeah, you've got uh, more and more. I'm 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 looking at this, and I have I look I have nothing. And this is pure speculation on my part. I've got nothing to base this on, but I'm looking at uh, at uh, Paddock as being. Involved. If I if I were to take a guess at this now, this based on information that I've been told on balance. If I was to if I was to say you know if I, somebody put a, a gun to my head and said, look, I want you to give me your best guess scenario on this, I would say that uh, that Mr. Paddock did in fact lead a separate dark life. I do believe that he was engaged if this is my personal opinion now based on nothing based on fact this is all speculation. I would suspect that he would uh, was involved in uh, some sort of proprietary block operation or, or proprietary operation. When I say proprietary I'm talking about uh, a off the books uh, intelligence operation that may have dovetailed with Fast and Furious. Consider the location Consider that you, you, you can't take the location the geographic out of, and consider where the uh, Fast and Furious was really based out of, and who was involved in that. Um, so all of that. So I, I do believe, and especially you've got to in, in a situation like that, you've got to also launder the money. But all all of that aside, what's what's the end result going to be? And I I believe that the end result here is going to be. Uh, among other things, the disarming of the, or the attempted disarming of the Americans, American population. Because I don't believe this will be the last. I believe that we're only seeing the start of this. I do, I do believe that in the near term, you're going to see another type of shooting like this. And it's, it may not be yeah, a concert no. venue, it might be a, a game, or it might be, but it's gonna, it's gonna be a high, ca- high number count. And they're going to get more frequent. I, I do believe that to be the case. I agree, and um, <clears throat> it's unfortunate, but for whatever reason, the you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions out there that I'm not sure that we'll ever see answered. A lot no, of people are asking, why is there no security camera footage? Oh, there is. Of <clears throat> well, why hasn't it been released to the public? Why aren't they showing? Because the FBI's got it. You know, the the months, the days, the weeks, the hours leading up to the shooting. And what day, what, what day did he check into the hotel? Okay. I got an update on this from, <clears throat> excuse me, a Twitter of Lois, uh, Loomer? Loomer. Right. She was at the press Laura conference. Loomer. Laura Loomer. She was at the press conference today. Okay. And she tweeted this about <clears throat> what you was the, at? the question. She asked the question, yeah. uh, whether the FBI timeline of Steve Panic had been changed since the valet receipts show a September 25th check-in date. And we have the room service receipt from the 27th when the FBI and, and the police said he did not come till the 28th. I, I, I have an answer to that, by the way, but go ahead. And she said that the response from the sheriff was he became very flustered and angry and said, please stop asking your question. She was asking if the timeline oh. had changed from the okay. 28th to the 25th of the actual check-in. Wow. All right. Did, okay. All right. So that's a non-answer. So we really don't have anything more to right. add on that. All right. 
And, and this, why is all of this important? And, and why are we why are we looking at this? Uh, you know, why are we talking eight days out here about this? And isn't and I find it interesting. Let me ask you this because I know you've been on the um, uh, open source and stuff. Has there been a list of names, the names of victims? Yeah, that came out on Tuesday, I okay. believe. There was a number of... Because I was I was out for a while and I, I didn't see any open source stuff for a while. Yeah, well, last week I was. they had um, some websites put all the names up, Okay. all the pictures and even some of the backstory okay. uh, behind okay. what happened. So so we have a list of, of those who, who are deceased from this? Yes. Okay, good. All right. Um, again, the only reason I, I was curious about that is, um, is it's usually typical, and I, when I didn't hear anything more about it, uh, I, I just I, I was concerned. Now, what about the main shareholder and CEO of Mendeley Bay, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mendeley CEO, sells half million shares, MG of uh, the parent company MGM, what a week or so before the actual show. yeah. Did you? Okay. Yeah, we addressed this um, a little bit last week. All right. The it wasn't just him; there were others. Right. Also, the CEO of MGM, James, three separate right. times, right, sold stock between July and September. Correct. July thirty first. The most being his last transaction was like eight million dollars worth, leaving him only about twenty percent of the stock he had in MGM left. Correct. You're absolutely one hundred percent correct by memory. So that's 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 good. Okay. And, and then it's also the the Saudis own. The first or the top four floors of the Mandalay Bay, if I remember correctly. I think that three, the four three, seasons yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's restricted off limit access to the public and, Correct. and others. And, and I find that rather interesting. Um, look, it doesn't mean, what, what does it mean? I, I don't know. But when you take all of the, the facts and combine them, the, the, the things that we know about and you combine them, and then you mix some, uh, non-open source, some uh, some potential, uh, private information together. I really think what we have here is a reluctance to uh, to admit the motive, and the motive is, is going to speak to something much larger than the American people can handle, or uh, the majority of the public will be able to accept. Uh, and it's more, of course, it, it's it's. I believe it, it's um, in part, at least, based on what I've heard. The Antifa movement is involved as well as the, uh, Islamic component as well. So you, you might think that that's absolutely absurd, but when you compare that to the proprietary, potential proprietary nature of his activities, acting as perhaps as a proprietary of some black ops, and then, then it all kind of makes sense. The number of weapons makes sense. The fact that this guy was collecting weapons over how many years. The fact that he's a multimillionaire and supporting members of his family. How would you like to have an uncle uh, like that? Uh, minus the shooting, of course. You know, yeah, sure. uh, but 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 not see, all of us work at Taco Bell like his brother said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, it's it's uh, it's well beyond the um, um, it's well beyond the uh, uh, video poker. Winnings or gambling winnings, or even the real estate timing of the real estate uh, winnings uh, or profits that is. So, all of this we're we're keeping our eyes on, and of course we are filling in our own timeline based on open source as well as whatever information we get from our sources within Las Vegas. And I will repeat this: if you are um, 
if you're a member of the uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and or the uh, Clark County Sheriff's Office, you want to provide information, confidential information, send an email to, uh, now, now listen carefully, send an email to tips, T-I-P-S, at homelandsecurityus.com. That's tips at homelandsecurityus.com. One more time, tips at homelandsecurityus.com. That is only for for law enforcement officers who want to supply information. Now, I will not give out your name upon receipt of this. It will not go anywhere. Uh, the, your name will not go anywhere. However, I must identify, be able to identify you, so you must be able to provide your bona fides if you're unwilling to do that. If you just say, well, I'm a, I'm a police officer with Las Vegas Police Department, but I'm not going to tell you who I am. Well, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to take that information. But if you're willing to tell me who you are and then provide provide me with the information, then I'm willing to, to listen. And that email one more time is tips at homelandsecurityus.com. All right. Um, moving forward here, or I guess backwards, to what we were talking about, you said that you don't think there'll be any security camera footage released. Also, the police on Friday or Saturday stated that the note, what many were calling a suicide note, that was left on a table that can be seen in one of the pictures of um, his body and the lower half of his body on the ground was a note of trage- trajectories say, saying, you know, he, he's got this weapon, he's got a, you know... Yeah, we discussed that, but, but there, 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 there are, are so many, many easier ways to do this. But why not? Why tell us what's on the note? If it's just traje- trajectories, why not show the note? Which they haven't done, they won't do. They continue to, to tell us, um, you know, what what's on things. There was also a prostitute, an unnamed prostitute that was interviewed and said the guy liked um, violent rape fantasies and was a 9-11 conspiracy theorist. That came out on the Daily Mail. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, Saturday. there we go. Now we've got our narrative building. Mm-hmm. All right, so obviously he uh, is a listener to InfoWars or a viewer of InfoWars and perhaps even a listener to this program. And now we've got the, uh, the, the despicable, deplorable, the right-wing conspiracy theorists, nutjobs mm-hmm. like us and, and, and Alex Jones and other similar programs and websites. Here it is. And, of course, this will speak to the censorship of... Uh, of programs like this, and this will also speak to, of course, the gun control lobby or uh, the gun gun aspect as well. So now you, there it is. It's building, and I wouldn't look tomorrow. But I'm telling you, the documentation, in addition to the trajectories, um, uh, I can guarantee you there was ISIS-related and Antifa-related, and I'm talking broadly, found in that, in his control, under his control. And that's... That's well, yeah, and I want to get into that again here in a minute. Um, also on Saturday, we heard reports and, and saw the uh, the room service receipt where it said number of guests to the date, uh, September 27th, who's the room registered to, Stephen Paddock, where a number of food items were ordered, totaling almost $90. And on ABC on Saturday, they ran a piece about how the police are, are frustrated with no clear motive, where... They reported that he, he, Stephen, the shooter, would pretend to talk to people in his room. To know, he, he pretended to talk to people and even ordered food 
to show there was two people when there really was nobody else. They went out of their way to say this. We played the audio on the Hagman uh, Daily uh, Show uh, today. Are you serious? Yeah. And uh, we can, uh, okay. I mean, we can play that audio. I can send so, it So, wait a second. So, uh, so the story is he created an imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. That's exactly And, and what ordered room service for a man. And pretended uh, to talk to somebody. Okay. Pretended is pretended. what they said. Uh, all right. So, um, you know, are they shaping the narrative to excuse away some of the behavior? Maybe. Oh, my word. Okay. <laughs> but this is why we're so frustrated we don't get the security camera footage, right? We don't get the, you know, we don't get to see any of this evidence. We're, we're all told this is what it is. And don't forget, the guy had, uh, and allegedly was creating a video of himself doing this while it happened. Are we ever going to even get the audio from that video? Probably not. That's wow. why it's so frustrating. And, and you know, it, it's it's difficult to even know who to believe. And, and uh, look, I've been sent very, uh, and, and thank you, every the listeners for sending me the photographs of of his body. You know, one from the waist up, one from the waist down. Um, uh, of course, with the you know with him reportedly committing suicide, with a gun from a forensic point of view. You know, the, there was a big deal about the shell casings not having blood, not being covered in blood. Well, they wouldn't be because blood would wick on the carpet underneath the shell casings. And the, 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 the if authentic, if authentic, the one picture of him from the waist up, if that was him, if that, if that was an authentic, uh, image and that was verified by the LV, uh, LVMPD, I, I, look, I wouldn't have a problem with that just based on that one picture. You'd need more, but just on that one picture alone being a, uh, uh, self-inflicted gunshot, or, uh, self-inflicted gunshot wound, uh, you know, uh, through the mouth, perhaps, uh, given the exit wound on the back and of course the pulling of the blood and congealing of the blood. So from, from at least my training and from a forensic point of view, I don't have a problem with that image as being, uh, uh, as being what they say it is. Now, as far as it being what they say it is, I don't know. Can I authenticate it? No. It hasn't been authenticated? No. Has anyone said, oh yeah, that, I took that, you know, I'm the crime scene photographer, I took that photograph, and, uh, that did come from the LVPD and it was leaked. Well, we haven't seen that, but it's not inconsistent, at least, so those people are saying, well, they're, you know, that it, it's inconsistent with a suicide based on certain observations, even the position of the gun. I wouldn't read too much into that, given the fact, the revolver, given the fact that, um, at least from the picture I saw, given the fact that it's very possible that that, the, upon a response, the uh, uh, the police officer might have, a police officer might have kicked the gun away, or that's just where it landed. I don't right. know because you, you don't know what's in the background or in the foreground. It's a very cropped picture, so you don't. It, I wouldn't it would even be guess the, difficult to tell. The officers. It's usually standard operating procedure: dead or alive, or to indifferent to away. move the the weapon yeah. away, just in case, just as a as a precaution. Right. Right. Um, I also wanted to ask you this. Seeing that we have a lack of information about the motive and other areas of, of the crime, why haven't we seen, uh, you know, a, an explanation from, we'll say, the coroner saying, you know, this many people were shot with this caliber versus that caliber, accounting of the shells in the room? Well, I thought we'd get that with the uh, body, with the, you know, listing of the bodies or listing of the deaths. Right. We did I, not I thought see that. Th- that's, uh, that's kind of what I was looking for, that package of information that you usually get. So do you expect that information to still come out at some point? Oh, I think it will. Yeah, I, I think it would have to. And, and I don't see, I, don't, I really don't see any, no, no matter what the end game objective is of the people that have a chokehold on the information, I don't see that information being of any, of any value or significance no. being, you know, being maintained. 
No, but it would definitely be interesting to, uh, I, I mean, you'd imagine of the, all the facts they can establish that they would, you know, secure and get out the ones that they, they can and they know. Um, maybe this is like what you say, uh, the fact that the FBI came in and from what I understand, even the local FBI chief was taken off the case right away and it right. was given to, you know, Washington DC types. And I think that's highly suspicious when that happens, when you have this usurping of, of a SAC mm-hmm. of, of a local field office, um, of an FBI uh, field office and, and it goes to DC. I, I one could say, well, given the scope of uh, and the magnitude of the of the, of the event, that's possible. But even uh, that chain of command to me seems a little bit cumbersome. And why would somebody like McCabe uh, be put in that position to to oversee that directly? That to me doesn't seem proper a proper use of the time. That's well, just my view. No, and there's still a lot of unanswered questions. Um, you know, that we'll continue to look at and report as the information is forthcoming. Up next, we have coming on Greg Jackson, gregjackson.com, G-R-E-G-G, gregjackson.com. He's going to come on with us and, and give us his uh, perspective on a number of issues. And then Pastor Billy Crone in our number three. He's actually from Las Vegas, and we're going to get into some interesting areas with him, too. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this network break. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an ammo can. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. Doug Hagman Show, Hagman America's Premier Father, Son, Investigative Reporting Team, coming to you live. Three venues, Global Star Radio Network, also the fine folks at Blog Talk Radio, that's BTR, and of course on YouTube Live. I want to draw your attention before we get to our next guest to an article written by Peter Barry Chalka that was actually, it caught the attention of uh, Sean Hannity, and Sean Hannity tweeted this out, uh, tweeted the article, uh, uh, Peter Barry Chalka's article out, the majority of American uh, doctors want to work as salaried employees or wage slaves. Very interesting and important article. There is other news aside from Vegas, but a very interesting article. Peter Berichaka breaks that down very nicely. And, of course, America's favorite doctor there, that would be Robert Young, Marcus Welby, um, in his 70s uh, attire there, shall we say. Uh, now that's Peter Barry Chalka. I would urge everyone to go to HagmanReport.com and uh, really tweet that out. That's the majority of American doctors want uh, to work as wa- work as salaried employees or wage slaves. Interesting, interesting indeed. Uh, and I want to thank Sean Hannity for uh, also uh, taking notice of that. Of course, it is because of the fine work done by Mr. Chowka and fine writing done by by him that uh, gets the national attention that it deserves. So there you go. We have uh, Greg Jackson coming on in, in just a few moments. Again, there are uh, massive wildfires in California. We have... Um, how many folks are familiar with the Doctor of Common Sense on YouTube? From what I read today, apparently his whole YouTube channel was deleted, and that's got to raise some concerns for other YouTubers out there who have uh, things to say that could demonetize that are... Uh, videos are banned and whatnot for the content. Uh, and this is not the first time we've heard this happening. Of other YouTube so channels was the subject being of the shut down. Dr. Common Sense was the subject uh, matter that he was discussing. Well, the latest was Las Vegas, but his whole channel was erased. Yeah, I, I, I know. So, that's gonna, that's gonna happen. And we've got, let me tell you, we have, thanks to your support, we have all, everything backed up. Um, all of our, all of our shows backed up in video form. Thanks to your support, because that, that's a lot of it's a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of uh, hardware, and some software and such. So, but but yeah, it's going to happen. It's good. It, look, it's Twitter banned uh, uh, 
uh, my goodness, uh, uh, Representative uh, Marsha Blackburn. Thank you very much. I was trying to think. Twitter banned her for an anti-post, anti-abortion post. Right. right. <clears throat> and I think it's about time that the people ban Twitter uh, or or like it. Of course, there are alternatives, Gab AI, and, and such. But but the fact of the matter is. Look at the uh, censorship that is taking place, even under the Donald Trump administration. You still have the, and I'm going to call them communist Obama holdouts. I don't know. I, 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 there's no, there's no other way to say it. Um, we are fighting communism. We are fighting Islamic, uh, uh, um, Islamic terrorism, and. Um, we are fighting it in the government and outside of the government. During the Obama regime, uh, a lot of communists made their way into our government structure, as did Islamic, uh, uh, I'm going to say terrorists, or those, those sympathetic to the Muslim Brotherhood, again, uh, a terrorist organization. So you're going to see this happen more and more. The YouTube site's going down, completely wiped out. Facebook sites, uh, uh, the punks at Silicon Valley, uh, playing God and playing uh, censor to what can and can't be said. And that's, to me, that's... Uh, you talk about fascism. <laughs> Who are the fascists here? They're the fascists. It's it's okay. If, if if we agree with what you say, you can you can go ahead and uh, uh, use our platform. If you don't agree, then then uh, you're, you're done. You're gone. That's it. It's over. Yeah, it's very, uh, very startling. We have with us our guest, Mr. Greg Jackson, gregjackson.com is the website, G-R-E-G-G jackson.com and Greg, I'm being told we have your audio but you need to turn your video on so we can get you on video if if, if people want to see your handsome face how's that? Uh, can you see me guys? Or, or let's see. Eric's we got the nod, so yep. yeah looks good, there you are I Ooh. can't see you guys. No, you, you're not going to be able to see us. We're working on, we've got an issue with the loopback. Uh, we're working on the loopback. We need to buy another piece of equipment, believe it or not. Uh, in addition to the 100,000 pounds of equipment we've got over there. So, that's that. But what well, are, you, are you driving somewhere, Greg? Is that? I'm in my makeshift studio. I'm in my makeshift studio right now, Doug. Oh, all right. I didn't. I didn't know if <laughs> from, what, from what I've spoken with you hundreds and hundreds of times. Well, that's good. <laughs> Where's Gunner? Is Gunner with you? Good. Good to hear your voice. Uh, Gunner is Gunner's at home. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm kind of uh, on the road en route, and uh, this is the quietest, best place to talk to you. So forgive the uh, the makeshift studio. You know, I, I got to tell you, Greg. I did a whole coast to coast interview, coast to coast AM interview. Uh, from my vehicle. And it was, I was sitting in New Jersey and it was one o'clock in the morning and it was Hoboken, New Jersey of all places. And I did just like you're doing it, except without the video. Great minds think alike. That's right, brother. You, you do what you gotta do. You gotta be resourceful. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's good to have you. Uh, it's good to have you. And it's been a while. What? Where, where on earth do we start? You've got a new book out. You've got uh, so many things to talk about. But, of course, we were talking about Las Vegas this last hour, primarily the wildfires taking place. You've got so much going on. You've got the uh, NFL uh, uh, national anthem flag, the middle finger to the presidency of the United States. 
and the president? I mean, where, where, where do you want to start, Greg Jackson? Well, I'd like to encourage the listeners because, um, you know, I think the bottom line, Doug, and we've spoken about this numerous times on your show, is that when you when you want to know where where we are in in history, you just you just go to the scriptures, and and clearly, and we talk about. I mean, you can go to Romans chapter one, but but Second Timothy chapter three pretty much tells us where we are and what we should be doing, and. You know, Second Timothy, if you'd just allow me just to go right right to the Word, right to sure. God's Word, from an authority. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, But realize that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will become lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighted down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres' folly was also. Now you follow my teaching. This is Paul writing to young Timothy, his acolyte. Conduct purpose... Conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, uh, in persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Laestra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom and that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So there it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, followed up by Paul's, Paul's just laying it out. He's saying this is what's going to happen in the last days, and it's going to go from bad to worse. False teachers are going to be ubiquitous. They're going to be everywhere. They're going to be on the increase, deceiving. But the good news is that God is going to expose their deeds of wickedness, their unfruitful works of darkness. This is what we see going on right now. So, Doug, if I could just give you a big picture, all the things that you you guys just mentioned that you've been doing a great job covering over the past couple of weeks, 
We know that this is all rooted in, in Satan. We know that the father of lies is orchestrating all of these events. Uh, we know that many of these are false flags or hybrid false flags that are designed to create as much chaos and disorder and unruliness because this is all Satan can do. He doesn't invent anything new on his own. He just takes what God has created and perverts it. He twists it. He distorts it. And he tries to make as many people as possible deceived. So, and to ultimately to turn them away from God's word and the scriptures and ultimately from a relationship, a saving relationship with God's one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that they would be forgiven of their sins and receive eternal life in heaven with him forever. This is Satan's ultimate purpose, to kill, steal, and destroy. So we know that all these things that we're seeing around us primarily are rooted in Satanism and Satan himself and his demons. And so what is the answer? Well, well, Paul says what the answer is, and that's partly what I hope we discuss today because the good news is that for uh, uh, the born-again believer, these are exciting times that, that we're living in. I mean, if we focus too much, guys, on... And, and we should, I mean, we have to expose the unfruitful works of darkness as the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 11 tells us to do as believers. But the good news is that Paul tells us that you, however, he says, continue in these things you have learned to become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. And, and that's what we have to be about the business of doing is knowing that God's word and God's truth will prevail that God's purposes will prevail, that these wicked deeds of darkness will prevail. And here's what I'm thinking, guys, and I want to get your perspective on this. I'm thinking that everything that I've been hearing about in the past couple of weeks, mostly in the alternative media, media, leads me to believe that the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, is about to expose many of these unfruitful works of darkness. He said in an interview, I don't know if you guys caught it, a few days ago, when asked by a reporter, he said, this is the calm behind the storm. Did you guys hear that comment? No, I, I did not. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I saw, actually, I saw a picture, and I saw the report of it. I did not read the whole report, and I saw a quick video snap of him uh, saying it, and you can hear it in the distance because the reporter was not close. What about you, Doug? Uh, yeah, I heard that. Absolutely. The calm so, before the storm. The calm before the storm. So I'm thinking that the, the, the real estate magnate who went from millions of dollars to being a multi-billionaire, designing golf courses all over the world, building really big buildings, creating thousands and thousands of jobs, and becoming president of the United States and beating 16 uh, rhinos in, in, in suits, didn't get it that way because he's mentally unstable or not the sharpest knife in the drawer as many people allege. The, the bottom line is this guy is pretty sharp. Now, am I saying that Donald J. Trump is the Messiah? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I believe that God is using him for such a time as this, for such a purpose of, uh, 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 that we're seeing right now to expose many of these wicked deeds of darkness. And this is why I believe that the forces in the, in the dark, uh, spiritual forces in the in the in the heavenly realms are fighting him with such fervor and that is because i believe donald j trump is going to expose 
many of the things that have been hidden for many, many years. Many things that both Republicans and Democrats on the same team have been working to keep hidden for many, many years. I believe that in the coming weeks, I believe the calm before the storm, I believe that the storm that Donald J. Trump is talking about are going to be a multitude of dark truths that have been underneath the radar for a long time that are about to be revealed. And people are going to be shocked. People are going to wake up. God is going to use this, I believe, to allow the people to see the truth. I believe that it's going to be a data dump on Petagate. I believe that it is going to be files on uh, on on the Illuminati. But behind the scenes, I believe that it's going to be Republicans and Democrats' involvement in many of the uh, 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 cr crimes, including a lot of the false flags that have taken place. I believe that we are going to hear a lot more about uh, Hillary Clinton. I believe that we're going to be hearing about Democrats' uh, very, very high-level corruption, including the death of Seth Rich. I believe that this is what Donald J. Trump is talking about. I, I believe that Donald J. Trump is a man for such a time as this who is going to expose a lot of things that have been under the radar that is going to slap people. This is this is the calm before, this is the storm I believe that he is talking about. This is why they want to end his presidency. This is why the doctor of common sense who you alluded to Doug or and, and Joe who is uh uh taken off of YouTube this is why they're, by the way, he's one of my favorites, and you gotta get him on the show if you can. I know John's been trying to. Uh, but this is why they are censoring you and Mark Dice and the Doctor of Common Sense and all of these voices. Uh, David Seaman, for example, who have been trying to get these crimes against humanity to the forefront. And so they're using, you know, Google, YouTube, uh, all, Facebook, all of these uh, uh, globalist-backed media organizations and high-technology companies to keep these truths from coming out because they know that if there is a awakening among the people who have been in the dark, and by the way, guys, I'd like to hear from you guys, but I'm seeing it even among my, my non-believing or skeptical or just secularist friends. They know that something big is not right. Uh, I just had somebody tell me now, wow, that's weird. Fires, all these fires started at the same time in, in, in Napa and Sonoma. That's kind of strange. What are the odds of that happening? I know you guys alluded to it in, in the first hour. But, guys, that is what I think is taking place right now. I, I what agree. do you guys think? I, I concur with you 100%. Um, it's interesting you brought up, going back a little ways, it's interesting you, that you brought up the uh, comment by, by President Trump. If you t and one could uh, take that comment and apply it to North Korea, perhaps. I think context is everything in this case, but I do believe you're looking at the larger, something much bigger than even North Korea. You're looking at um, uh, this being the calm before the storm. I think that, that you're looking at this this gridlock that represents the 
um, Obama hold, holdouts and holdovers of the communists and, and Muslims infiltrated in our government being exposed, in addition to the pedophile, the pedophile, uh, pedophile rings. Um, all, and this, by virtue of us talking with people like Craig Sawyer, um, Melissa Zachariah, or Zachariah, and others, uh, Liz Crokin, uh, who have the inside tracks on certain things. And we're seeing now some information come out. So yes, you're absolutely correct. And I think that the deeds of darkness, uh, will be exposed. But you know, it, it, Greg, let me ask you this. Um, will Donald Trump, in your estimation, survive politically or practically to make that happen? And if he doesn't, will the movement survive and out, outlive the man? Well, that's a $64,000 question. I don't know the answer to that, Doug. Hmm. But I do know, I do know that, um, that if there is some political leader who can pull it off, it's Donald J. Trump. Because there's one thing that I've seen with Donald J. Trump is that that man is fearless. In my estimation, that guy has rocks, if you want to call them, pardon my French, uh, as big as church bells. I mean, he really does. This guy is the most politically incorrect political figure of our t- time. So if there's anybody who I believe is... Uh, fearless enough to accomplish this goal, I believe it's Donald J. Trump. And I think that mainly it's going to be contingent upon the body of Christ. Really, because the answer isn't, can Donald J. Trump do it? The question is, is the church strong enough to support Donald J. Trump? Trump? Are we being about our father's business in our daily activities? Because that's what it comes down to. It's you know, the, the the Bible says it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's by his spirit. The, the, we, the, the Bible says that we wage not against the flesh, but are the powers and principalities in the, in the, in the heavenly realms. We, and, and so, as Steve Quayle is fond of saying, we don't, this isn't a, there's no political solution to a spiritual problem. And, and now I think more and more, hopefully, Christians are waking up to the fact that this is a spiritual battle that is being fought in the heavenly Realms and being acted out on earth. So the extent to which Donald J. Trump and those who uh, care passionately about exposing the wicked deeds of darkness and restoring true liberty and freedom in this country are successful will be contingent upon the body of Christ, as Paul uh, uh, McGuire uh, often talks about, do- doing our job, being about our Father's business, being on our knees, in our prayer closets, Doing, doing real business with the Lord. And that's, that's, again, I don't know. I don't know, uh, what, what the status of the church at large is, but I, I know that as for me and my family, we will follow the Lord. We're not going to give in to the political correctness. As long as God gives me a voice, I'm going to continue to fight for, for, for righteousness and truth and to speak out and to not be a pusillanimous pew sitter in the public arena. I am going to do everything that I can with what God has given me to expose the wicked deeds of darkness because this is the great spiritual fight of our times. And many people will say, Doug, well, Greg, it's too late. You know, the Bible says that, you know, things just get worse and this is just the way it is. Well, that's true. 
but but with God, there's always respites. We don't know God's time clock, and to say that we do basically implies that we are God, and we aren't God. We don't know what God has in store, but we do know what He has commanded us, which is exactly why I started out this show talking about Second Timothy chapter three. It's the same thing that Paul tells to Timothy. Yes, things are going to get dark, but you stand for truth. You stand for righteousness. You expose the wicked deeds of darkness. You patiently endure. You speak the truth in season and out of season. That's chapter 4 in 2 Timothy. But still, this is what we, and this is what your show is all about. To the very bitter end, we don't know when the game is over, but we do know what we need to do. We know the roles that we need to play. What do you think? You know... Yeah, I, I agree with you. And by the way, uh, what you said, um, uh, you know, it, 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 some people m- may believe it's too late. Well, w- so what? What do you do then? Do you just sit at home and knit and, and, and you know, tend to your, your, your own little garden, your own uh, postage, postage stamp garden and knit and crochet? Is that what you're supposed to do? Or are you supposed to fight? Are you supposed to continue the job that you were given? As for me, um, I'll quit when when I'm dead, or when uh, you know God takes me home, uh, or, or when God tells me to stop. And I, I don't know how He's going to do that, unless He you know pulls my plug. Uh, I'm talking about you know literally, physically that is. So yeah, I agree with I, I agree with you on that. And I think too many Christians out there are are wusses. Greg, I mean, they're wusses. Well, well, you talked about it earlier. You you brought up the whole thing about the flag, you know, and 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 so you know that, that, that some people are accusing those who are making a big deal about uh, the standing at the at the uh, national anthem or kneeling at the national anthem, excuse me, is creating idols, so on and so forth. I, I think that that's just a red herring. Uh, I, I think that that's just a diversion. I don't think that that's a, a, a legitimate uh, 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 assertion or, or, or gripe. With um, you know those who, you know, like the president of the United States and and others who say you know, and I personally agree with them, you know, there's a time and a place uh, to to have our differences. I mean, if these NFL players not, not to go off on a, a rabbit trail here, but I think it, it pertains to what we're talking about, which is if if you have an issue with uh, institutional racism uh, in this in this country, then then go make a YouTube video, start a foundation, take the tens of millions of dollars that you're making, and instead of you know, kneeling down on the on the field uh, and 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 not uh, uh, standing in respect to the flag and all that it represents. Go do something outside of of football. But right now, you're hired. You're a, you're 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 an employee of the team that you play for. It's part of the NFL. Ultimately, you work for the NFL. And the rule is that you stand on the sidelines with your right hand on your heart, holding your helmet in your hand. Yeah. Amen. And Greg, we are right up against the break, but this is a great uh area to pick up when we come back because uh, I want to get into the NFL or some other things that happened in the NFL today. A video was leaked of a Miami Dolphins offensive line coach uh yeah. apparently snorting cocaine or a yeah, white powder or something. Says, yeah. Yeah, news says. And I saw one of the top comments on there said uh gives a new meaning to the term offensive line coach and I thought that was pretty funny but 
In all seriousness, it's a bad day for the NFL today. We have the this coming out and the vice president walking out of a game yesterday that was very public. Folks, we're talking with Greg Jackson, gregjackson.com. We're going to talk with Greg on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric. Uh, it's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Reporter family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Training Plus in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% of our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changepersonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Speaking with Greg Jackson, gregjackson.com is the website. That's G-R-E-G-G, gregjackson.com. Before the break, we were just speaking about the the NFL, um, the video coming out of the offense, Miami Dolphins offensive line coach doing drugs. He resigned this morning after that video came out. 
Mike Pence left the football game yesterday, citing that the reason was people were kneeling during the national anthem. And we've seen this um, ongoing. This has been an issue since last year in the NFL, and it's led to a, uh, I don't want to say advertising boycott, but we've seen the numbers of the NFL ad numbers go down. I think it was, they said $200 million uh, so far, and we've seen sponsors jump off of their uh, some big car dealerships in New York and New Jersey who were regular sponsors, and um, Budweiser's getting, you know, teetering on the edge there. There's reports coming out about them. But a, a big decline in viewership, big decline in ad dollars, and I can just tell that the owners and, and the people uh, who run the show are not going to allow this to continue. This is why we see Jerry Jones coming out today and saying, you must stand or else you're going to sit for the game. Um, and I think you'll see more owners get in line with this actual uh, viewpoint. I, I kind of wish we would have had the the tape running during the break because Greg said some wonderful things during the break. Um, you, you know, we have to men have to start acting like men. And by the way, and Joe, um, you've got you've got it there. Uh, Greg's new book, I think I think speaks volumes to just that. Um, it's it's a it's a short read, but it's it reads more like a, uh, a instruction manual. Uh, though that's the way I look at it. And but but it's so significant and so relevant to today. Uh, and, and it's something that 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 you know. I gotta tell you, uh, forty rules to help boys to become men. I think you know we 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 need to send this to like uh, uh, Acosta. James Acosta and uh, Chris Matthews, and I can throw a few other names in there, but there you go. But Greg, thanks for holding over the, on the break. Yeah, well, I definitely, um, Joe. I want to get to the the NFL. Thank you for the kind words, Doug, and and always an honor and a pleasure to be to be on your show. You guys are like family. Love you guys, and um, you know, always appreciate your encouragement and. Uh, in, in terms of the NFL, I tweeted the other day, Doug. I know that you had said earlier that uh, we got to ban Twitter. I use Twitter a lot. Greg, Greg M. Jackson is my Twitter handle. I like it because I'm short on time and it's 140 characters. And I, I, I actually see, you know, all these people that say that Trump shouldn't tweet. I actually disagree. I love when he tweets. He I, I love tweet it more. Too, man. I, I think he's game. I really think he's gaming the the media when he does that. You know, maybe at first, I agree. maybe at first it was just one of those things, but now I think he's refined the process where, all right, I see your reaction. Now I'm going to, I'm going to mess with you a little bit. And that's kind of what I think is happening. But, uh, I think, I think while we can still do, and I like, I like your Twitter, by the way, follow Greg Jackson on Twitter. Do, do it right now. Um, it's, it's Greg Jackson, right? I, I don't have it. Greg, yeah, M, Greg M, G R E G G M. As in Matthew Jackson. Okay, yeah, follow what, follow Greg on because yeah. you got you got some precious tweets there. But go ahead, sir. Well, I, I was just going to say just re- real quickly that one of my tweets the other day was that the largest church in America literally is the NFL. I mean, if you think where most people spend their Sundays, it's in front of the TV for you know Lord knows how many hours watching. And I'm I, yeah, I love football. I'm a, like Joe, a huge Michigan fan, and I am dis- bitterly disappointed that we lost to Michigan State this weekend. That's a whole other issue for a whole other day. Having said that, I believe, remember when I said earlier that God is using Donald Trump to expose the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, for such a time as this? Well, I believe that one of those areas has been the NFL, which arguably is the largest church in America. That's where people, so that's, I think my tweet was something along the lines is, 
of it's only fitting that the players are kneeling, uh, given the fact that the uh, NFL stadiums represent the largest churches in America. It was kind of a, you know, a little tongue in cheek. But the fact of the matter is that I believe that Donald Trump is being used by God to expose many of our idols in our country, and he's using Donald Trump to tear them down in a lot of ways. And the NFL, I think, has to rank up there with being among the, the biggest idols in the United States of America. I mean, sports, entertainment, uh, you know, pornography industry. I mean, these are the, these are the biggest money industries. I mean, in the, the NFL. Abortion industry. Which, by the way, is a tax, tax, the abortion industry. So the, the, the NFL, by the way, Doug, is, I think, one of the, the, the largest tax-free organizations in, in, in the country, if not the world. This is a multi-billion dollar, and how are they tax-free? I don't get that. But at any rate, I believe that uh, with what we're seeing right now, again, here's Trump exposing, you know, sending out that tweet, calling them, in, you know, and uh, you know uh, the, the the original kneelers, uh, uh, calling them uh, uh, to account for their actions and forcing the issue. And I believe that it's re- it revealing a lot of ugliness. The hearts of Many people are being revealed by Donald J. Trump. And that's just an aside because we were talking about Twitter and that all started with it, with a, well, I think a, a, a comment that Trump made at the Alabama rally a few weeks back, but then some of his Twitter comments as well. But, you know, going back to your, to, to your, uh, uh, comment, Doug, about my book, it is true. I've written another book called 40 Rules. To help boys become men, which you can go on Amazon, you can look at it, you can go to gregjackson.com. It is available for for preview, or excuse me, for uh, you can pre-order it. It's going to be out in the next few weeks. It's still at the printer right now. Can you see this? That's just like kind of yeah. copy, and I don't even yeah. know what's up on your screen. It's a page Eric of your book. Put it up. Yeah, Here's it a, it's a page of my book. Yeah. Doug, I thank you. With heartfelt thanks for writing the forward to the book. I can't thank you enough. It was an honor because when I thought, who am I going to ask to write the forward? Immediately thought of you because you're a man's man. You get it. You're from a, I mean, there's no disrespect intended, but you remind me of my dad in a lot of ways. And just no nonsense, not politically incorrect. Listen, my dad only had to look at me the wrong way and I would pee my pants. That was Jeff Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I didn't talk back to my mom except for one time. And then I got my mouth washed out with soap, and it never happened again. Let me tell you something. Look, I didn't like getting my mouth washed out with soap. I didn't like having to scrub the bathroom tiles with a, with a toothbrush and count them and then oh, have yeah. to tell my mom how many t- tiles there were, even though I, I did count them because I, I, I thought to myself while I was doing it, does my mom really know how many tiles there are? Because they were small <laughs> tiles. I thought, I better get this right because she told me if you don't get it right, you're going to do it again. So I really focused. <laughs> but the long story short is that, you know, I thought, you know, funny, funny little aside, this weekend I was playing a golf tournament. I was getting, throwing my clubs back in the, in, in, in this car actually. And, uh, I, to, to my left, there was a, a, another car, and the kids, Jake's age, my son, who's just turned 12, uh, somebody about 12, a boy, and then a little girl who was probably about 8, they were going golfing with their mom, and the mom asked for help. And one of the boys said, boy, are you grumpy, mom? And the girl said, yeah, you're acting like a grump today. 
Now, I just stopped, and I just thought to myself, no, he didn't. <laughs> you know, one of those moments like, whoa. And I just thought to myself, if I had ever said that to my mom or dad, I wouldn't have been able to sit down for a week, minimum. And so the long story short is I just thought, man, this book is, the, you know, I, I don't know if the Lord's going to tarry, but I do know this. One of the main problems in this country, Doug and Joe and Hagman family, is the breakdown of the family and especially the breakdown uh, of, of men being wussified as being castrated by their wives, uh, as, as acting like girls. And that's, of course, for numerous reasons, including taking the Bible out of schools, taking prayer out of schools, uh, you know, pastors who are friendlier, who try to be friendlier than God, watering down the gospel, not teaching, uh, you know, the, the word in context. So we have a couple generations of men many of whom are Christian, who think that it's cool to act like girls. And it's just not cool to act like a chick. If you're a dude, then act like a dude. And this I believe, Doug, not to, you know, minimize or, or you know, make, make lightheartedness of this issue, but I do believe that a lot of our problems in this country could be taken care of by men starting to act like men, especially men that have boys at home that they're raising. The Bible says that we are to be the primary instructors of our of our of our children's spiritual and moral upbringing. The way we do this, people say they want revival in our country. That's the answer to all of our problems. By the way, I agree, but it starts at home. It starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with those in the Hagman family. It starts in our own homes. That's where the revival takes place. That's where we can make a difference. And when we make a difference in our own home, then God expands our, our territory and allows us to have influence in other domains. That's how it works at the biblical level, at the scriptural level, in God's economy. So I put this book together, and basically, like you said, Doug, if you're a father and or a mother and you have a boy, I haven't written the one for girls yet. I'll have to get help with that because I don't have girls. But if you are sickened as I am, by the type of behavior that we're seeing from a younger generation, and you, you still think that there's time for America to restore the, the civility that it once made America great, that was the bedrock seminal foundation of a civil and free and prosperous and great America. You want to make America great again? It starts with us. It starts with it us yep. basically fulfilling the two most important commandments in the Bible. Love God and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so I wrote this book to give people a how-to, parents to teach their kids, to go over it with them. These are the rules. These are what you need to be doing. And when you do these, you're setting yourself up for success. Go ahead, Doug. You were going to say something. No, no, you're 100% accurate. And by the way, I do believe that um, uh, to, to the average lesbian uh, in my view, to the average, uh, effeminate male, your book is sexist, misogynist, uh, politically incorrect. Uh, you've got some sort of, um, you know, um, uh, complex, uh, you, you know, big, uh, small hands complex. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. I, I guess what I'm, what I'm saying, it, it's, it says everything correctly. And I do believe this. 
if you're a woman out there, a Christian woman out there, or a conservative Christian woman out there, I believe that you're looking for a man, a, a, a man, not not a wimp, not not somebody that's going to be wearing a pink hat and protesting with these, you know, intellectual morons out there, uh, but somebody that's going to uh, be the leader of the family, take care of you, take care of the family, never have to worry about whether, you know, there's going to be food on the table. Never have to worry about whether there's um, going to be enough money at the end of the month to pay the rent. Um, and more importantly, never have to worry about the ill manners that we see taking place today. And then that gives rise to the, um, Greg, to me, this gives rise to the, it, it fertilizes the ground for this um, nastiness we're seeing today. The, uh, Yes. You know, so, so all of this is a, to- it creates a toxic environment that you, I, and others like us are fighting against. Absolutely. You know, uh, I'll be transparent with you and, and share with you that about a year ago, um, you know, I have a 12 year old and, you know, parents out there, you know, it's, it's, this is a difficult age, pre, prepubescent, kind of a transitional time. My wife made a comment to me that she, was wishing that I would be more of a disciplinarian. And I'll admit, I, I want to be popular dad. I want to be my son's best friend. I want to be the guy who, you know, doesn't have a lot of, you know, for a guy who wrote a book on manners and restoring etiquette and sounding tough, the bottom line is when push comes to shove, I have my own issues, which partly I wrote this book, Full Transparency, to remind myself of how I need to step up as a father. Because let me tell you something, I got a lot of explaining to do in a lot of different situations where I know, Doug, to your point, my wife is wishing that I would be harder on my son. And I'm not talking about all law and no grace. I'm talking about that perfect balance between law and grace. And I guarantee you, because of the way God designed women and men for to, to fulfill two totally different roles, you hit the nail on the head. The reason that there are so many... Uh, women that aren't married, that stay single, or that have turned to the lesbian lifestyle, I believe is exactly what you just said. They can't find a man who will act like a man. And this is, of course, how God designed women to be, to be naturally attracted to, and this is, again, why I believe a lot of women like Donald Trump. Even my wife said, I love that guy. He tells it like it is. He's not a wimp. He gets to the point, and he's a man's man. So... Again, I believe that uh, you, na- you, you nailed it, Doug. And the fact of the matter is we could solve a lot of problems if we as men started learning some of these rules and manners, teaching them to our kids, and maybe we'd see a change. By the way, as a, as a believer, just, just as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you know, I think more people are attracted to not what we say but what we do. It's not how much Bible scripture I know and how convincing I can be walking down somebody the Romans road to salvation, although that's important. It's if they know I'm a Christian, it's they're watching me. They're watching you. They're watching us to see how we act. So many of these things, I believe in in all of these things that I and this isn't an exhaustive list, I'm just going to share a couple with you from the book. But many of these things should exemplify somebody who really has a servant's heart who wants to, like Jesus washing the disciples' feet, wants to serve instead of being served. This is how 
people will know us by our fruits. They will know that we actually believe what we say we believe by how we act. So here are a couple. You mind if I share a couple of these things? No, from my, we, from my new book. Please do. We got them right here in front of us. Uh, go ahead. Well, I'd, I'll share a couple, and then you can share a couple that stick out. No, to no. You I, I look. We don't want. To, we don't want. To, we don't want to give anything away. Uh, so you you handle this. Go ahead. Well, uh, listen. I'm hoping that people just listen to this interview, order the book, order Forty Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, which, as you know, you're it's required reading for everybody. Doggone right. Uh, it's the most politically incorrect book that you could ever give your kids to reverse the indoctrination they receive in the public schools and the media. And you can get that immediately. And while you're at it, 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men, which is my newest book, that you will get in a few weeks when it was released. Here are a couple of things. It's it's simple, Doug. As you said, it's like 80 pages total. Each chapter is a different rule. Check a couple of these out. Open and close doors for women and elders. How about that one? Pull out chairs. Pull out chairs for, for women. But ask yourself, as I read some of these, how often do you see, how commonplace is this? Uh, how about stand up when a woman or el- elders enter a room or sit at a table? Don't interrupt when others are talking. Disagree without being disagreeable. That's a huge one, Doug. You just talked about restoring civility. How about if we train this next generation to learn how to disagree without being disagreeable, to teach them at a young age. Uh, don't talk back to parents, elders, and teachers. Show proper respect for authority. Wow. When's the last time you heard that? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one more. Um, uh, how about this one? Say please and thank you. And, of course, there's, there's, there's more to it. Those are just the... the uh, the, the the topics for each chapter. There's small ex, uh, short explanations. Many of these are self-explanatory, uh, and some of them even have some il- cool illustrations that my beautiful bride Annie picked out from the 1950s because it is from a bygone era. But I still think that we can teach these to our children, and that it will make a difference. And that by our fruit that we teach to our children, and by the way. Uh, I believe that we as parents can learn a lot from, uh, this is a great reminder for we as parents, and I think that we can restore a lot of that greatness of the manners of manhood that were once commonplace to really make a difference in this culture, as degraded and debased as it is. What do you think, Doug? You know, let me just, I just want to say this. You've got a uh, chapter in there, um, be aware of your appearance, always look good. And, ALG baby, ALG. ALG. That's right. And, and you know, you, you think about this, and that's a sign of respect. And remember, look, I'm old enough to remember when when people flew on an airplane, they were in dresses and they wore a sport coat or a suit. End of story. Okay, you, you dressed up now, or in particular, when you went to church, you were dressed up. Now, does is that necessary? Well, it shows respect. It, it, it's the respect. It's not just the respect of what you're doing, but it's also self-respect. Because I, you know, I, look, I think one of the big issues today, a lot of people don't have self-respect, and the lack of self-respect 
is perhaps one of the biggest problems with our culture today. And when you don't have, Absolutely. when you don't have self-respect, you're certainly not going to be able to convey that respect, uh, in any other venue or to any other uh, institution. And this is why we see in a lot, your, your book basically, if people followed your book, uh, you wouldn't see the kneeling in protest uh, at the anthems. You would not see much of the crap that we're seeing today, the decay of our society. And I think that's so important for really, for people to really understand. So, uh, but, but this also speaks to one's own self-respect. And Joe, I, I know you've read the book and the advanced copy, you know, the hush hush because. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, a lot of things on here, Greg. Um, you'd think that most kids would learn. You'd think. Um, that this wouldn't have to be spelled out. But apparently in society today, these things are overlooked and are not important anymore. Which is pretty sad. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I remember my grandmother, you know, she, you know, these are the kind of things that she would always, um, teach me, uh, all the time, you know. Point out if my elbows are on the table while eating or not opening the door, uh, for women. She, she would, um, you know, constantly be on me about that. And I'm glad she was. Along with the parenting and everything else, but, um, I can hear her voice distinctly in a nut when I read a number of these, um, which is interesting. Well, here's the thing. Your show is all about what you can do. That's what this book is about. What can we do? How can we make a difference? And not be idle bystanders, armchair quarter, or what do you call it? Keyboard quarterbacks or keyboard warriors. warriors. I forget what, what you call keyboard it. Keyboard warriors, yeah. Yeah, let's, 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 you know, Coach Harbaugh, Coach of Michigan Wolverines says, uh, uh, let's be 1% better every day. Let's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if I can change the world, but I, I know one thing is for me and my family, we will follow the Lord. My son's gonna know the truth. My son's gonna know how to act. My son is going to represent our family well. And, you know, I was on the way to church yesterday. I was telling Jake, my son, I said, Jake, you know, I'm sorry because we had to take uh, one of his privileges away, which I'm always sad about. But I told him, I said, look, I just want to remind you that I know that when you get some of your privileges taken away or you get disciplined, it's, it's, it's not a happy time in the Jackson family. But the bottom, and I don't, I'm not, you know, happy about doing it, nor, nor is your mother. But at the end of the day, my primary role and obligation, my duty as your father, because I'm only your earthly father, your heavenly father above is your, is your one and only and most important father whom you have to please, uh, and, and have a relationship and walk closely to during this lifetime. But at the end of the day, my primary job, and I take it very, very seriously, is to instill in you a number one cultivate a relationship and to lead you to the Lord so that you're saved so that if you if if you die tomorrow you know for sure because you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repented of your sins that you're going to heaven that's number one number two uh my my duty as your father from a biblical perspective is to teach you God's word and so that it becomes the plumb line in your life by which all modes of behavior and actions are measured so that you can truly know right from wrong to teach you God's word in context. Those are the two most important things. And then thirdly is to teach you right from wrong. And those are all biblical principles. And so 
I know sometimes if, if you or I, and when I fall short, I, you know, I'm the first one to admit it, or I try to be, or else I'm going to come across as a hypocrite. But what I made clear to my son uh, yesterday was, you know, the bottom line is that if you can get these things right, I guarantee you that there's a very good chance that when you're my age, you're going to th- be very, very thankful and appreciative of the fact that I went and your mother went to these great lengths to give you the tools to succeed in life. And at the end of the day, we're called as believers to win souls. The Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. We can't be good soul winners if we're not acting civilly to one another, if we're not being good foot washers, if we're not serving one another, if we're not listening to one another, if we are trying to uh, uh, ram our opinions down people's throats without listening, with being too harsh with people, with with not being... Uh, you know, even keeled. And these are things that, that I believe can really truly make a difference in the, di- in the, du- I don't care how dark it is, Doug, in the Jackson home, there's going to be light in our house. And I pray that for Hagman listeners, what if your millions of listeners had that same mindset? Think of what the world could look like. Think about what our country could look like. What do you guys think? Man. That and and there it is. I, I really, I, I don't think you have to go much beyond that that um, line of thinking. Uh, there it is. And, and you know what? I can't believe this. We're at. I, I didn't even realize the program clock. We're at the end of the uh, segment, uh, Greg. We're at the end of the hour. You've you've taken us right to the end, but but truer words never spoken, and, and I can't wait, uh, folks. You can pre-order Greg's book. Uh, Greg, where is that? Amazon pre-order or go to Am- yeah, go to Amazon. Forty rules to teach your boys to become men. All right, love you guys. Hey, thank you. Love you as well, Greg Jackson. That's Greg with two G's. Jackson dot com. Forty forty rules. Uh, go to Amazon dot com to. Uh, pre-order that it's a great book i've got to tell you thank you greg jackson folks network break going to be right back billy crone up next Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. 
capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Report in our third and final hour, Pastor Billy Crone will be joining us here in just a few moments. I want to bring you a quick word from one of our supporters. And Ready Made Resources is uh, the place to go for all your preparedness items and needs that you might have, from water filters to um, night vision goggles that uh, Mr. Griswold has come on to talk about, as well as, as food, uh, solar energy, all kinds of on-the-go I didn't tell you this. Preparedness items. My, my neighbor ordered the night vision, the, the Hagman night vision. If you, if you go to ready-made resources, uh, and he told me how he did this. He, he went to ready-made resources, went to, what's that section on the top there? Outdoor and tactical. Okay, he opened that up. Anyway, he, he got the kit, and, and he was out. Seriously, man, he I, I think he was in my backyard uh, in my house, uh, this, this weekend. I'm pretty sure that was him. Uh, um, have to tell him to bring him over so he can check him out. Oh, he, well, he did, uh, seriously, on Sunday he did. And, uh, you talk about top quality stuff. Um, and, and he also ordered some, uh, long-term storable food. He also ordered some other items, which I will not disclose. But, so anyway, it was kind of fun because, um, seriously, he was, he was snooping around out there and, he, and, um, he, he allowed me to play with his toys, and I, I gotta tell you, man, it, it's pretty impressive. You don't want to be looking, uh, you don't want to be wearing that stuff in the daylight, but at night, it's it's incredible what you can see. You talk about a force multiplier. I just, I thought that was fun. Absolutely, readymaderesources.com is the website. Readymaderesources.com, and then from there, you can, uh, if you have any questions, you can email them and. Uh, check out their website. Their website has a, a very extensive uh, listing of all the products that they do sell. And, and you know, I, I met uh, and have took my 
had my picture taken with uh, Bob Griswold from uh, Branson. He was in Branson. And, and hopefully many of you in Branson got to meet Bob Griswold. He's a heck of a guy. And uh, I could I could still take him. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's a big dude, man. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. All right, Pastor Billy Crone will be with us in just a few moments. Um, again, on the, uh, the front of Dredge, folks, if you go there and you want to see pictures of how devastating some of these wildfires are, there are a number of articles up on the top left that show uh, the extent of the damage and give you the information on the ongoing threat that these fires pose. As um, even Greg said, that there were many fires that started yesterday approximately around the same times, and people are, are starting to ask the question, well, um, why? And on Drudge, it's also being reported that at least 10 are dead from the wildfires that burn in California wine country um, as well. So keep the folks in California in your prayers as this looks like it's far from over. But we have with us Pastor Billy Crone. Uh, Pastor, it's been a while since we've had you on, but it's great to have you back on and uh, great to talk to you tonight. Hey, it's uh, great to be with you guys again. Thanks for having me on and uh, uh, hopefully the video's working. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it looks it, good. It is. Uh, okay, so that color behind you. Yeah. It, it, that's a great color. I'm, I think I'm going to use that in my, in my office. I've got uh, uh, a different... <laughs> but no, you look good. And, and of course, uh, thanks for joining us via video, by the way. Hey, you gotcha. Well, that's, that's popping red just for Vegas. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure. Wow, yeah, indeed. What do you think about that, uh, Pastor? What the heck? Yeah, you're from Vegas. Yes. Oh, well, actually, that was my corny humor. I wasn't meaning that in some uh, no, derogatory no. <laughs> It wasn't accepted in that fashion. It, it, yeah. It, when, when you told me that, because I remember your church being in Vegas and you're being in, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah. No, I, t- I tell you what, uh, obviously, yeah, we're right here uh, where that event took place, and uh, uh, sad all the way around. I mean, it's just another exposure of what the Bible's been saying for a long time. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked, and uh, unless people turn to Jesus Christ, this isn't going to get any better. Uh, and what's sad is, you know, once again, with these events, uh, even here in Las Vegas, you see that the cry goes out for gun control. And uh, I'm not a member of the NRA or anything of that nature, not that I'm against it or anything, uh, and I'm not here to defend them. But once again, they think that the, the panacea to fix these kind of problems is not Jesus Christ, it's gun control. You know, it's the old axiom, uh, blaming guns for the Las Vegas shooting is like blaming spoons for somebody being overweight. And uh, it, it wasn't the spoon's fault, right? It, it's, it's just an instrument. It's what people do with it. And until people get to the real issue that it's the heart of man and only Jesus Christ uh, can fix the heart of man, by being born again, nothing is going to change. Well, you're right on that because, at its core, it, this what we saw is pure evil. Regardless of motive, we know the means. Of course, the opportunity was there. Pure evil, and um, and, and you're right. This is going to just get worse and worse and worse. And we're seeing this pervasive evil sweep across. Not just the country, but the but the entire world. Um, and and you're right. The only answer is, the only fix is a spiritual slash biblical fix. 
maybe I said that improperly. You're you're the you're the pastor. I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> no, I know, and, and you you guys are right. And again, it's just uh, it's sad that our country continues to not only turn away from God. Uh, and, and frankly, kick God out of every aspect of our society, whether it be our schools, our government, uh, and dare I say, frankly, many churches, most churches today, uh, they're high into the apostasy. They're not even preaching out of the Bible anymore and things of that nature. You got, you got the American church, uh, my experience has been, um, that the reason why the American church is so powerless today, uh, so ineffective today is because frankly, the American church is flooded with so many non-Christians. Oh, they go to a church service. But going to a church service doesn't save you any more than uh, sitting in a hen house makes you a chicken. You got to be born again, and and oh, it's getting worse. I, I've I've uh, you know shared before in previous interviews, uh, man. Some of my experience, I've it's not just the people sitting in the pews that are not saved. I'm talking people teaching Sunday school classes. I'm talking people behind the pulpit. Uh, they, they admit that they're not even saved. Uh, and it's, it's, it's flooded the church. So no wonder the church is ineffective. The church, a lot of it is being run by people who still need to know Jesus Christ as their savior. And, uh, so that doesn't help anything. So, so we have gutted our society, our hearts, our homes, our marriages, our churches, our government, our school system of Jesus Christ. And what, what did God say? You reap what you sow, right? You don't want me? Okay. I'll give you over, Romans chapter 1. I'll give you over to a depraved mind. It's going to get so bad that you're not just going to be doing wickedness. You're going to start doing things that ought not to be done. And we're certainly seeing that today. Now, as a born-again Christian, on the one hand, we certainly don't condone this kind of thing that's been going on. But on the one hand, it shouldn't shock us. Because the Bible clearly tells us that these kind of things are going to be on the rise in the last days. You know, Paul talks about Timothy. He says, you know, in the last days, what's going to happen? Uh, it's, It's going to get extremely wicked where people can become lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and they're going to become brutal and, and all kinds of... In fact, the, the word there in the Greek there for brutal, anomeros, uh, it literally means just savage, savagery, and uh, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, and all that nature. Every single one of... If you look at that passage there that Paul's talking to Timothy 2,000 years ago, every single one of those negative, wicked characteristics that he said is going to appear on the scene in the last days, every single one of them is not just in our society, it's going rampant in our society. So on the one hand, as a Christian, we shouldn't be shocked. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, if you will, we should kind of get excited because this is a sign that we're living in the last days, that it's getting close to the Lord's return, and uh, which then should lead to the secondary excitement. When Jesus comes back, as you guys know, the great news is uh, he's going to take us to Walmart. No, he's not taking us to I paused on purpose there. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's taking us to heaven, right? I mean, I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome. And I think that's the, one of the missing elements that we, the church, uh, aren't getting, even in this atrocity with the Las Vegas uh, shooting. And that is, we need to be out there more than ever, letting people know, yes, uh, this is bad. Yes, this is wrong. But let me tell you why. It's because we've turned from God. Right? And number two, let me tell you, it's going to get worse before it gets better. The seven-year tribulation is coming. Right? You're not going to stop that. Okay? But here's the good news. You can be saved through Jesus Christ. And he'll take you to a place beyond your wildest dreams. You don't have to live with this baloney forever and ever. And you certainly don't have to go to hell. And that's a whole other topic. Right? But as Christians, we're the walking advertisement, right? You know, the old axiom, we're the only Bible that some other people will see, right? Mm-hmm. But what are they seeing in us as Christians? Are we just as wigged out? Are we just as depressed? Are we just as fearful? I mean, or by our even countenance, are we showing the world that, listen, there's something better to live for? 
There's a whole other world out there that you don't want to miss. Uh, what's the scripture say? Keep your mind on things above, not on this earth. This earth will drag you down. So we let the world know that, yes, this is wicked. This is wrong. And here's why. Because we continue to turn away from God. But here's the ultimate good news. If you would give your life to Jesus Christ, Call upon his name. Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins. Believe in your heart that God raised him to the grave. The Bible says you will be saved. And you are headed to a place beyond your wildest dreams. And guess what? Show that with your countenance. The problem is I think much of the church is not only in apostasy. I think much of the church is asleep at the wheel. And I think much of the church is just as worldly as the rest of the world. And so there's no enticement, right? There's no, there's no like... Hey, come to Jesus and it'll be great. Well, what's so great about it? You're you're just as wigged out, stressed out, living like a rat, just like me. What, what where's the difference? And I want to share with you one thing, and, and and this is what I think at this time that we the church need to focus on. And see, we're not the losers in this equation, but we're walking around like we've lost just like everybody else. And we need to demonstrate that there's joy in Christ, that we have the best future. Nobody has a brighter future than the church, and the world needs to see that in our face. But let me share with you, this is from uh, uh, Keith Green, if you're familiar with him. Listen to this, this is convicting. He said this, when I travel to give concerts, I get a view of the modern-day American Christian church that most people never see. I've played in every denominational church I could think of, and as a result, I've discovered what the world hates most about Christianity. It's Christians. And it would be okay if they hated us for the right reasons, for our love and our joy and our good deeds, but the problem is they hate us for our hypocrisy. We don't like to admit that the world is tired of hearing us say, praise the Lord. They're tired of seeing the bumper stickers without seeing something Christ-like going on inside the car. They're tired of our t-shirt philosophy and our rings and our necklaces and our phoniness. They're hungry and thirsty for the truth. They want to see Christians being Christians or else to them we're just another trip. And so he says this, are you excited, Christian, about Jesus? Can, can other people see the joy of the Lord in your face? He said, I've noticed too few Christians radiate the presence of the Lord in their life. It's like they look like they've been baptized in vinegar. They seem to have this image of Christianity that requires them to have this grim, gray look on their face. It's like they're saying, well, praise God, it's such a burden to be a Christian. He says, what kind of a testimony is that? He said, if you're happy, and you ought to be happy if you're a redeemed child of God, then you better show it on your face. That's what the world is looking for to see in the life of the Christian. They're tired of the hypocrisy. And he says this, he said, me personally, if it weren't for religion, I would have come uh, become a Christian two years earlier than I did. As a result, I didn't become a Christian by going through a church service. I couldn't become a Christian because I wouldn't be caught dead in a church service. All the churches I had seen were full of hypocrites. He said, I wanted to know, listen, and this is what our world needs to know. This is what our world right now, even in the midst of this atrocity, in the midst of the rising wickedness, not just this event, but everything. Read the newspaper. It's, it, wickedness abounds. But this is how we counteract it as Christians, right? He said, I want to know if these supposed ambassadors for Jesus could really show me Jesus by the way they looked and by the way they lived. He said, the problem is I never found one. Rest assured, there's a lot of searchers out there just like I was. They may not tell you they're looking for God, but they are. And when they look at your life, do they see him? He said, if you're a pew warmer, I'm not telling you you're doomed. I'm telling you, you're dooming others. I'm not telling you you're hellbound. I'm telling you you're sleeping while others are sinking down into a fiery eternity. He said, guys, we are in a sorry mess. The world is sick of it. God is sick of it. And it's enough to make him vomit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, it, it's really, to me, this is a golden opportunity. 
that if Christians get your head out of this world, it's wicked. It's going to get worse. Nobody's condoning it. Yes, let's be informed, but let's not forget what Christ has won for us. That's the answer. And preach Christ. And show it on your face. What is it in your life, in your countenance, in your word, in your attitude, as you walk through this baloney with the rest of the world? What is it that the person's going like, wow, can I have that? I mean, you live here in Vegas, too, and and, and you've seen what our city's going through. Or, or, or hey, you're in my town, too, and, and you see all this wickedness going on and the crime and the murder and the, the atrocity and the selfishness and the, 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 the conceitedness and the, the, the brutal behavior of people. They, they don't even have natural affection towards their family. I mean, you see it, too, but how do you have that joy? Where'd you get that joy from? You're not popping pills. I mean, where'd you get it from? How, how, do you have, how come you're at peace? How come, how come you are living on this earth just like me, but you have a different attitude? Can I have that? That's the golden opportunity that I think we're missing as the church. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we talk about this a lot with a number of different people, but uh, it's one thing to only believe with your mind. It's another thing to to act and, uh, you know, carry on the behaviors of a Christian. And those seem to... The, the actions don't seem to back up the thoughts a lot of times of many people. And that's a huge problem in this country. And it is a, um, you know, the, the lukewarm nature, whatever you want to call it. But we see the decline in churches and in their uh, ability to even discern things to where we see many uh, churches in America have gone so far away from the scripture and what it teaches. And this is going to continue to creep in as long as the people are asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Well, I think too that we're 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 missing a golden opportunity again with uh, the fact that God told us in advance that this would happen. And what does that do? That gives veracity to the authority of the Bible. That the Bible is trustworthy and true. Only God can predict these things hundreds, if not centuries, uh, of years of in, in advance. Okay, that's coming to pass even in our lifetime, right? And, and so it gives veracity that hey, you might want to take the Bible serious. God demonstrates this came from Him. But the other thing, too, is as Christians, we should be the most well-equipped, well-informed people in current events um, than anybody else on the planet. And then we use that uh, uh, as a platform to share the gospel with the people around us. But what do you have today? you got most people today, uh, they don't even study Bible prophecy. The, the pastors won't preach on prophecy. And uh, I've said before uh, that, listen, uh, one-third of the Bible deals directly or indirectly with Bible prophecy. So if you're a pastor... Uh, I can say this, I are one, uh, then what kind of a shepherd are you if you're deliberately leaving out one-third of the Bible, right? In fact, what you're actually doing is you're fulfilling uh, what the Bible said would come in the last days. Again, Paul says to Timothy that in the church this time, not the world, he said in the church, how do you know you're in the last days? When all you get, you're going to get the church gathering around themselves, teachers who will only tickle their ears, and uh, they'll turn aside from the truth and turn to myths, Okay. Uh, tickle your ears is kinetho in the Greek. It means only pleasant things. Myths, muthos, means stories made up. So stir all that together. Paul says, listen, you're not only going to see a rise of wickedness with these shootings and the, the treachery and the conceitedness and the, the not lovers of God, the lovers of self, all that stuff. But you know what? Pay attention to the church. Because when you see this arise, you're in the last days. That all you ever get from the pulpit are these teachers, these so-called pastors, who only tell pleasant stories okay, and pleasant things that they make up. That's 95% of the church today, if not more. That's a sign you're living in the last days. But as the church, we should be able to take these events, even current events, and say, hey, 
You're absolutely right. Did you hear what's on the news? Did you hear about that shooting? Did you hear about uh, the wars going on over there in the Middle East? Did you hear about the rise of the earthquakes? Did you hear about the famines and the pestilence and all that kind of stuff? Hey, guess what? Those are signs that we're living in the last days. Now, let me tell you about Jesus, okay, because you need to get saved. You need to get saved right now. You don't want to miss the boat. Pastor, concurrent with this, one thing I've noticed, and, and not too many people have commented on this, especially in the uh, – if. There are forums and, and political boards that, that cater to the progressives, the, the in my view, the communists and socialists, whatever you want to call it. And, and a, a hallmark of, of their belief system, their ideology, is one of atheism. And to see the misrepresentation, for example, um, a proof that there is no God, for no loving God would allow this to happen, and, and just the bastardization of, of, of the Bible itself, by the people in power and those who have, you know, are just a degree or two away from the power, the increase in um, the increase in that, in uh, concurrent with what you're talking about, to me, is it tells me tells me a lot um, about the times in which we live. So I, I wanted to throw that in there because I'm seeing more and more. Just as the the church isn't doing anything, the other side, the atheists, the uh, the uh, agnostics are digging in even deeper, saying, "See, this is proof that yeah. the Bible is bunk." Yeah. Well, and again, this is another opportunity uh, for us Christians to rise up and do what the Scripture says. The Bible says that we need to get equipped. We need to become disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to know His Word. Why? Disciples there in the Greek is mathetes. It means disciplined learner. We need to give, be a disciplined learner of the Word so that we can give a defense for the hope that lies within us. And that's what I notice. Uh, when this shooting happened here in Las Vegas, immediately, what did they say? Oh, what kind of a God would allow something like this? Why did he do this? He, and it's like, excuse me, God's not responsible for this, right? And, and this is why, uh, what is today? Monday, yesterday. I don't even know what day it is. Yesterday, uh, I preached a sermon. I interrupted. I've been preaching on a study on spiritual warfare called the uh, Satanic War on the Christian. And so I interrupted it, and I did a special message called Where Was God in the Las Vegas Shooting? And I felt led, uh, before I dealt with the countenance thing, like we kind of opened the program with, I, I felt led to give a defense because the atheists are out there, once again, trying to slam God, say, what kind of a God? There is no God. How could there be God? Because of this evil and suffering. And, and just real quickly, what I went through was basically an apologetic study, given a defense uh, of where does evil and suffering come from, and you can't blame that on God. Now, first of all, uh, the Bible says that evil and suffering came from not God. It came from Satan. Okay, uh, I, I, Isaiah uh, chapter 14, 12 through 15. Let me read that real quick. It says this about the fall of Satan. It says, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will uh, ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you're brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. In other words, you lost Satan. You're not going to overthrow God. Give me a break. But notice what Satan's problem was there. I, right? And that's it. Why did this guy do this? Well, whoever did the shooting there and all that stuff. Why did these people do this? Because somebody's I said, I want to do that. God doesn't condone this. How many times has God got to say, you shall not murder, right? How many times has God said, you shouldn't do this, right? But I decided that I wanted to do it. That's what caused the fall of Satan. Now, you want to talk about what's crazy, right? The fall of Satan was caused because Satan wanted to do what Satan wanted to do instead of what God said to do, 
right? The I problem. You look at the word sin, S-I-N. What's smack dab in the middle? I. The, you know, at the heart of every sin, at that point, anytime anyone sins, myself included, at that moment we're saying, well, I want what I want instead of what God says, right? And his commands, by the way, are all for our good. And he only throws them out there because of this I problem that will create destruction, okay? But that's what Satan did. That's what these people do. And this is what people need to understand. This didn't come from God. This came from Satan, right? And and, and he what Satan did, the scripture says, Genesis 3, he didn't keep it to himself, this me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity thing. He in turn tempted Adam and Eve, and they got infected with the I problem, if you will, uh, the sin nature, okay? And that's gone through all of mankind. So each one of us are born with this sin nature uh, that wants to do our own thing and our own will, okay? And and that's why the scripture says, Paul says this, that's why the planet's so messed up. That's why there's evil and suffering. This is not the original world that God created. Romans 5 says this, this then is what has happened. Sin made its entry into the world through one man, Adam, and through sin, death, Right, And the entail of sin and death passed on to the whole human race that no one could break free from it because no one himself was free from sin. Right? Why is the planet messed up? Why is it? Is it because there is no God? No. It's because God created originally, you read the scripture, he created a fantastic world. He created a beautiful world. In fact, he called it paradise. In fact, he even said when he was done, he said it's very good. But then as we saw, the scripture says Satan did something very bad and he wanted to have I what he wanted to do. He wanted to become God. And he infected mankind and because Adam and Eve fell with that route, we're all born with that and the planet's all messed up and we're living in the cursed creation. Now, I actually shared this was kind of fun because we got 42 hours of studies on creation versus evolution. And I spent 12 hours just dealing with the pre-flood society, okay, before God judged this planet the first time because of sin. And, and I wanted to go back and share the congregation. What was that world like? What would it have been like? What kind of a paradise did God create, okay, before sin entered this world via Satan tempting Adam and Eve? It was phenomenal. Now, let me geek out with you just real quick if you got a moment. Uh, with some science right here, okay? Thanks to oxygen bubbles that we find trapped in amber, you know, like the Jurassic Park movie, they find bubbles and, you know, insects sometimes. Well, those would have been created at the time of the flood, right? Now, they've actually tapped into, I kid you not, science has tapped into those oxygen bubbles, and so that tells us what was the oxygen, what was the atmosphere like in the pre-flood world that God originally created paradise before sin messed it up. And what they find is there's a much greater air pressure Okay, and there's a, a much greater content of oxygen. Now, living in that environment, they've done some scientific studies, it actually induces giantism. And this explains why we find a lot of things that we find in the fossil records. We find giant trees. We try giant animals. We find, frankly, giant people. We find all kinds of things. Everything was giant. Everything was huge uh, before the flood. Okay. In fact, the effects on the human body, living in that oxygen-saturated environment would have been phenomenal. One one guy, he puts it this way, watch this. He said, just breathing in that atmosphere would have been exciting, right? And he says, because under those conditions, not only does your hemoglobin take on oxygen, but your plasma gets oxygen saturated in your blood, which means you could run for hundreds of miles, okay, without ever getting tired. And then, of course, he says that Adam and Eve, they didn't need a car, they could just run to grandma's. And then he says, well, not only they didn't have a grandma, 
or mother-in-law, by the way, which is why it was called paradise. Okay, but I digress. Uh, but anyway, no, living, that was, in that that good. <laughs> living in that atmosphere, that way of life was absolutely phenomenal. In fact, we did some research. We found in Texas, they found a tree stump, and based on the a fossilized tree stump, based on the circumference of that, that tree stump, that tree would have been 1,000 feet tall. Everything was huge. Everything was to the max. It was it was bountiful. It was incredible. And when God said paradise, he means paradise. In fact, they even find fossilized beavers eight feet long. Now think about it. You need bigger beavers if you got bigger trees. And it's just like everything all fits together, right? But guess what? God, he made it wonderful. He made it fantastic. Right? It was paradise. God is a good God. He's a loving God. And when he finished, he said it's very good. But why is it messed up? Why is there evil and suffering? How's it progressed to this with the junk that we got to deal with today? It's because of Satan, the fall of Satan, and then he infected mankind. And because of that, he's cursed his creation that we have to deal with. But the good news is, one day, Jesus is going to fix it, and you want to be a part of that world. Absolutely right. Pastor Billy Crone is our guest. And, um, Pastor, I don't know when the last time you were on was, not to, to get too far out here, but I know you had a, a book that you came out with, and um, you were doing um, some, some conferences. I believe it was the end of last year. That's probably the last time we had you on. So it's been almost a full year, and I know you teach about – I, I want to kind of get into this if we can just for a little bit. The uh, AI tech uh, world that we see encroaching on our world, you know, from the uh, RFID chip to the kiosks and robots – uh, said to be used to take the jobs of millions of jobs here in America from fast food workers to manu- the manufacturing sector. I want to kind of go down this road of, uh, you know, the, the beast tech that we're seeing. And there, you know, there continues to be this push for a cashless society, especially in Europe. And we see these different areas of uh, uh, the political world changing from people, uh, countries moving away from the EU and Europe, uh, countries moving away from the dollar and the economic world. Do you see a convergence of events from the technological aspect to the political and economic where you can see a combination or consolidation um, of these two worlds? You know what? If I didn't know better, it sounds like you've been reading the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, absolutely, to answer your question. Uh, Man, we have done so many prophecy studies. Uh, Yeah, in fact, we just came out with uh, uh, two more books uh, recently uh, the Final Countdown, Volume 1, and The Final Countdown, Volume 2, and we're working on Volume 3. And basically, we deal with the big signs. Uh, how do you know you're living the last days? And what you said, it is, it's all converging. Uh, one, one guy says the challenge today, when you take a look at geopolitical events, and you're going like, man, who's what this, and, and this is going on, the government's over there, and the Middle East this, and the economy with that, and sometimes it's like hard to put it all together. Well, the Bible is the only book on the planet that gives you the cover to the puzzle pieces that you're trying to put together. Uh, To use the analogy, imagine somebody gave you a very intricate puzzle piece with a thousand pieces, little bead tiny things, but they forgot to give you the cover. Now, eventually, you could probably put it together, but how much easier would it be if they were to give you the cover of the box so you could at least see what it's supposed to look like? Well, that's what the Bible does for us. And oftentimes, we get lost and we're going like, well, these people are doing this, and this country's doing that, and the economy's doing that, and and, uh, all the technology's doing this, and how's that fit, and all whatever. Well, guess what? It does all fit together. It's all part of what the Bible says is the Antichrist kingdom that's going to culminate in the seven-year tribulation, the final week of Daniel's 70-week prophecy. And uh, and certainly, you see that with the the one-world government, the one-world economy, 
the mark of the beast tying into that with the cashless society. We certainly have that technology today. But you, you take a look at these events and you can pop them into the right place when you understand just God's panoramic prophetic view of how the last days are going to come about. And we certainly see the governments around the world lining up with the economies around the world, uh, uh, certainly with the governments around the world. You mentioned the, the beast technology uh, in AI. Uh, uh, I'm getting ready, Lord willing, of course, uh, in about three weeks to be preaching in uh, Gettysburg, and that's actually one of my topics I'm preaching on, AI and the coming apocalypse. And uh, the AI technology is uh, not uh, coming, it's already here. And most people don't even realize that. Uh, the militaries around the world have been working on this for a long time. Uh, they're combining it with uh, drone technology. Uh, they're combining it uh, also uh, with their vehicles. And they're equipping, name any piece of military equipment, whether it be a jet fighter, a submarine, I'm not kidding you, a battleship, a boat, uh, a tank, uh, a, a, a jeep, a supply vehicle, you name it. They're using artificial intelligence, and they're basically remote controlling these things all over the world, not making it up. In fact, they've developed the artificial technology, artificial uh, intelligence technology, that they can put on existing equipment that will then take it over. Because a lot of people will say, well, you mean it would cost trillions of dollars if they had to buy all new equipment to be able to remotely control all this stuff all over the world like a Skynet center? No. They can take the existing equipment, and they cannot just take it. They're already doing it. Militaries around the world, they're popping it on. Bang. It becomes an AI. Now, what's scary is they're, they're combining that with what's called swarm technology. And what that is is they can only control one piece. Like let's say they did a, a, several boats in the ocean, right? Well, guess what? The AI on this one boat can communicate with this other AI boat here, and this one over here, this over here, and they literally communicate like a swarm of bees to surround and capture their prey. And uh, we've done studies where we've shown this actual uh, military demonstrations. We're not making this up. They're already doing it to existing technology. Uh, but, but the AI, the concern with AI is, of course, it's getting out of control. Okay, and there's been many, many warnings. In fact, if you look at the the headlines, uh, they're combining this technology with not only the vehicles, the equipment. Wish I was making this up, but they're actually building and have been building uh, Terminator robots. Now, I know that sounds like crazy. It's out there, and frankly, I wish it was make believe. Okay, but it's real. In fact, they've been working on it for a long time. DARPA has been working for at least that I could discover eight, nine, ten years on what's called neuromorphic chips, and those are basically brain chips that they put into these robots that basically create a, a Terminator reality. And if you want to see, you could give you a little experiment. If you want to see how far they progress, go to Boston Dynamics YouTube channel, okay, and look at some of their latest robots. These things are not even tethered. They don't have a cord coming out the back with a human on a little control anymore. Okay, these things are on their own, walking around, able to do things, lift things, make their own decisions, interact with people, open closed doors, walk even in the snow without falling over. It's already here. And my general rule is this. If you see anything in the public that they release to you, we're at least 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 years behind what they actually have. So if you're going to show me that you can do that, what do you really got? That's already in play. But but the, the challenge with this AI technology is it's getting out of control. Okay, Because, again, all the governments, major countries around the world, militaries, they're rushing into this AI technology because it's a whole new way of warfare. Okay, And, and, and th those in the industry, they're actually saying it's kind of like the Old West. 
where we're at with this technology and the, and the warfare with the AI. This is like, you know, in the Old West, it was like um, gold was discovered in California, and uh, all, it created the gold rush. They said that's where we're at right now, is everybody, every country, by and large, the major ones, they're all rushing in to see who can develop this AI, master it faster, because, and I'll give you a quote, and you can check this out. This just came out um, uh, the 1st of September, uh, just a month ago, roughly, from Vladimir Putin. And if you look in the headlines, what did he say? Uh, he, he said, the country who creates AI will control the world. And he admits that there's some danger to this, but that it's coming, right? And basically, whoever can get it, perfect it, if you will, first, you're going to rule the world, right? Because you can tap into everything. You can control everything. you basically got a robot army, everyone on the planet, and everybody's toast, okay? And it also means you can hijack the other guy's robot army and basically create this global thing. It sounds crazy, but basically Hollywood's done a masterful job of preparing us for this Terminator reality uh, that's going on. But <clears throat> there's another danger. See, the militaries are going into this, and they're going into it with, you know, just major fervor and like, aha, the, whoever gets on top first, we get to rule the world. Their word's not mine. But speaking of Russia, Russia had last summer, you can check this out, last summer they had a, a AI robot, it's called Promobot, right? And Promobot escaped its lab, right? One of the guys was driving into the place and uh, it actually snuck out and took off and it went rogue, right? And they finally got there, they, they got wow. it back again. They got it back again. This was just last summer. And remember, Putin just said this a month ago, what he said about ruling the world with this stuff. But it got out, Promobot got out in Russia there, and they reprogrammed it. They said despite reprogramming, reprogramming that Promobot twice, twice, it still tries to escape. It yearns, this is their words, yearns for freedom. Right? And, and they, it's just... So it's coming out of control. Now, you want another one freaky? Facebook. Because there's a lot of people pushing for AI, not only with the militaries, but corporations. Facebook has been pushing this. Google's another one. IBM's another huge one, right? And, and again, they're rushing to see who can perfect it too. But Facebook, if you look at the headlines, what was something that just recently happened as well, right? A couple months ago. Facebook, part of their artificial intelligence, they had two different artificial intelligent entities that were working on uh, supposedly making it better for chat room devices and things of that nature. Well, these two artificial intelligence uh, entities began to communicate with each other in their own language. And at first, the researchers thought that, well, wait a second, um, this is just a bunch of gobbledygook. Okay, but they began to realize, no, it's not. It was a form of shorthand but it made no sense to us, but they, it was intelligent. They created their own language. They started communicating. They had no idea what they were saying, so they unplugged them, shut them down. So it's like, <laughs> this yeah. is crazy. We are flirting with fire. Now, if you listen to the computer, the tech moguls, people like Elon Musk, he's been saying for several years, right, that we better get a handle on this because this is a serious threat. You got people like Steve Wozniak. He's the co-founder of Apple, along with Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs always seems to get the credit, but Steve Wozniak was there too. Uh, uh, and other entities, experts around the world, they're saying, listen, this is a serious threat. This is not make-believe. 
okay, this is really a possibility that this AI cannot just escape. This AI could take control, and since we have computerized everything, since we have electronically, even with satellite technology, connected everything, whether it be the machinery, whether it be the economy, whether it be what I call the matrix, the Internet, how we buy and sell and all that stuff, you're running into a crazy scenario that only the Bible, I believe, gives us the answer of where it's headed. I mean, can you imagine one guy on the planet you know, like Vladimir Putin said, whoever develops true AI gets to control the planet. Can you imagine one guy having at his fingertip a button he could push, and AI literally takes control of the planet, all the military on the planet, all the economy on the planet, all the transportation on the planet, all the electrical grid on the planet, everything. Can you imagine? Well, that technology is already here. Now, I would say that maybe a lot of this technology is also going to be some of the very technology that's used during the seven-year tribulation that the Antichrist is going to use. You, you look at the first half of the seven-year tribulation, you got the sealed judgments, and it says right there in the fourth seal, it says that one-fourth of the earth is annihilated, one-fourth of the earth. Later in the second half of the trumpet judgments, you got another third, right? You add those two numbers together, just those two judgments, you get about 3.6 billion, not million, 3.6 billion people are going to die on this planet in a relatively short amount of time. Now, how in the world are you going to be able to annihilate half the planet without using nuclear warfare? Now, I say without nuclear warfare because to me, that's an extrapolation from the text, and I think it's common sense. If you were to annihilate in the first half, the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, if you were to annihilate half the planet, or fourth of the planet, using nuclear warfare, then that, that would do it. But that would put you in a nuclear winter, right? Everything stops. Well, that's not what you see in the seven-year tribulation. Even after that first annihilation, the planet continues to move forward. They continue to fall for the Antichrist lies. At the midway point, he goes into the rebuilt Jewish temple to declare himself to be God. He implements the mark of the beast system. They keep falling for his lies. Later, he gathers the world to try to take on God at the Battle of Armageddon at the very end. So you don't see a nuclear winter. So the question is, do we have the technology today to annihilate billions of people at one guy's direction in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, because you have all this technology, you have all this military equipment that's being automated. I mean, I'm talking from jet fighters to tanks to battleships, everything. In the air, on the water, underneath the water, on the land. We're not even talking about some of the MAV technology that it looks like a fly, but it's not a fly. Hey, that looks like a cheetah, it's not a cheetah. The, the same thing, and it's being equipped with weaponry. I wish I was making it up. But imagine uh, he pushes a button and this stuff hunts you down. There's no place to hide on the planet. And without using nuclear warfare for the first time in the history of mankind, one guy could annihilate the amount of people that the Bible said would happen in the seven-year tribulation. It's, it's crazy. Now, why is that important for you and I? Well, because guess what? We can forewarn the world what's coming. And then we could use that as an opportunity to let them know, okay, that's why you need to get saved now, okay? And and ultimately, uh, beyond even the seven-year tribulation, which Jesus said is the worst time in the history of mankind, uh, ultimately, okay, the Bible says, even for those who still reject God at the end of the seven-year tribulation, there's going to be what's called the angel harvest. And those who still, you know, because people say, I'm going to be the ultimate survivor. If you somehow survive, 
the angels are going to pick you up and you're going to go to hell. So, and hell lasts forever. So the point is, this is a platform for you and I to let people know where it's headed. It's going to get way worse before it gets better. And there's only one way, one way out of this mess, and that's through Jesus Christ. And, and, and but, but it's not being taught. People are not being informed. People don't want to deal with it. And to me, frankly, it's exciting. You know, people say, oh, that's, that's doom and gloom. That's, that's horrible news. Why would you want to share that? You just ruined my day. Ruin your day? Are, are you kidding me? Let's go back to the opening of the program. When Jesus comes and gets us, where are we going? It ain't Walmart. Okay, it's heaven. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic, right? It's way better than here, right? And all these events, even what we just talked about with the AI technology and that stuff, that's Daniel 12, right? There being increase of travel and increase of knowledge. Daniel 12, 24, 2500 years ago wrote that. It's coming to pass. All that is is an indicator. We don't know the day nor the hour, but man, it's getting close. And it's getting close to what? It's getting close to Jesus coming and get us and going to heaven, which again is awesome news. Why would you run from that? In fact, uh, recently just did another wedding here. And one thing I've learned about doing weddings is it's typically, it's typically not a good sign. It's not a good sign that the closer that the, uh, bride and the groom get to their actual wedding date, the closer they get, that if they were to respond like this, I would come, hey guys, look at my calendar. We've got, you know, you got two months to go. You're almost there. And they said, would you stop telling me that? I can't stand that. Why did you have to ruin my day? Right? I, I just, why did you have to remind me that I was getting married? I, you know, and, you know, and they said, okay, hey guys, we're down to three more weeks, three more weeks of wedding. I told you, would you stop? That's just doom and gloom. How could you ever share? Are you kidding me? If a, if a, if a, a bride and groom, if that's how they actually reacted towards their wedding day, that it's getting closer, uh, what do you say? Hey, something's not right with that relationship. And it's the same thing with us, the church. We're the bride of Christ. And all this prophetic news is not meant to be doom and gloom. It's to bless us. We don't know the day nor the hour, but it's a constant reminder that, listen, be prepared. Be ready. Right? And 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 get busy sharing the gospel. But guess what? We're not the losers in this equation. We're the winners. We're going to be with Jesus. He's coming to get us. And all these geopolitical events, even the Las Vegas shooting, all this wickedness, certainly God doesn't condone it. God didn't do this. This ain't the world that God originally created. But guess what? All this is an indicator. We're living in the last days. It's getting close. Get your head off of this planet. Get your head up above. Keep your mind on things above, not on this earth. And don't forget. And when Christians, when we do that, when we're constantly every day, I, I, I challenge you. Here's a practical exercise. Every day, at least once a day, look up. Look up in the sky. And just visually remind yourself that Christ is coming back. He's coming back. We're not the losers. Nobody has a brighter future than us, the church. Right? And, and it helps you keep your head above the junk that's going on in this world. You don't lose sight. You don't get off track. You don't go AWOL, right, on the mission at hand. Okay? And it reflects on your countenance. Right? Because it's exciting to know that I get to see my Lord. Jesus is coming to get me. The bride, the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's awesome. It's getting close. I don't know the day or the hour, but man, it is getting close. That's exciting. And if we realize that, you don't have to fake a smile. You don't have to be a hypocrite like Keith Green said. 
It's real. And you're really excited about being saved. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. And, and, and Christ is coming back to get me. And it's, it's going to be a place beyond our wildest dreams. He's going to fix the planet. He's going to renovate it to the Garden of Eden-like conditions where everything is huge and giant and awesome and lush. It's real. It's not make-believe. And if Christians, we really believe that, we'd show it. And if we show it, the world's going to say, whoa, can I have that? Where'd, where'd you get that from? And we have the privilege of leading them to Jesus. That's what's missing in the church today. Absolutely, amen. And and uh, Pastor, you just laid out the from the um, the AI and, and events of the world, prophetic aspect of things, to the uh, nature of of Christianity in America today. Um, we see that as you, you, I think it was John, you opened up with her Timothy, um, the decline of believers in the western world and in america and the rise of uh, all these crazy events prophetic events in many cases that we see um, it has a lot of people worried but what you just laid out is telling people uh, that's the last thing if they believe in in jesus that they should be as worried or or concerned <laughs> because in the well, end we are redeemed we're redeemed and it's like okay have we forgot? Have we forgot? Do we have Christian amnesia? What's going on here? Have we forgot what heaven is like? Have we forgot that we're going to get new resurrected bodies? Have you? Do you have? Do we have any idea what it means that one day we're going to live in existence without sin and suffering? Let me, let me give you just a little teaser, right, of what the Bible says that heaven. Okay, heaven is going to be like. Listen to this. Listen, heaven is the dwelling place of God. This is where we're going. We don't deserve, we, myself included, we deserve to go straight to hell, right? But here's what Christ has won for us, right? Not this messed up version of the planet full of the evil and suffering that did not come from God. It came from Satan, right? But Christ won for us on top of escaping this wicked world and hell. He's won for us heaven, the dwelling place of God, the dwelling place of his holy angels. It's a heavenly country. It's a holy place. Eternal paradise. The streets are made of gold. The gates are of, made of pearls. The foundations of precious gems. It's a place of eternal rest. Eternal joy. Listen, without wickedness, without darkness, without sin, no more tears, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. It's a place of absolute purity. It's filled with the glory of God. It's an everlasting place. It never ends. Once you get there, you don't get kicked out. It's absolutely phenomenal. And then the Bible says, look, once we uh, get to uh, our resurrected bodies, listen, that means, listen, none of these affirmities that we have to deal with today are we going to deal with. So, I mean, think about what it means to have. I mean, as you get older, I think you appreciate it more, but your body starts to fall apart, right? But we not only get to exist in that place that Christ has won for us. It's really coming. It's really coming, right? It's like, have we forgotten this? We're not the losers here. We're the winners, Right? And, but listen to what, just extrapolate, what does that mean that when we get new bodies, what, what's that going to be like? What kind of existence? Not just heaven itself, that's mind-blowing, right? Eternal rest, eternal joy, the, get to experience the fullness of God. There's no such thing as sin. There's no bad relationship. There's no bad conversation. Everybody likes everybody. Everybody loves everybody. It's awesome. And it lasts forever. You can't get kicked out. It's awesome. Listen, but here's, just let me extrapolate, what's it going to be like to get a new heavenly body? They'll never die. They'll never rot. They won't decay. They won't break down. They won't even age, right? 
And that means there's no more backaches, no more broken bones, no more disease. Ladies, no more anti-aging creams. Uh, there's no more wrinkles, no more crinkles, no more age spots. Uh, no need for makeup companies, none of that stuff. Uh, our bodies will also be imperishable, the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, listen, I'm going to describe to you some scenarios that we will never experience ever again in heaven. One guy puts it this way, he says, listen, no more will you wake up and go to the breakfast table and hear snap, crackle, and pop and discover you're not eating cereal. That's you. <laughs> Making that noise. No more will you go to bed realizing that you and your teeth don't sleep together anymore. No more will you wake up looking like your driver's license picture. No more will you look for your glasses for half an hour before you realize they've been on your head the whole time. You won't have memory problems. You won't even need glasses because everything's perfect, right? And one guy, I love this one. He says, the ultimate benefit of our heavenly existence is no longer will you bend over to straighten out the wrinkles in your socks and discover you're not wearing socks. That's your skin. Ooh, gross. Okay. But, but in all seriousness, it's going to be incredible, right? And how much pain... How much pain could we avoid, okay, if we would just take God at his word, right? And he tells us this in advance, right? He said, listen, you're going to have persecution this side. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. This is not heaven. Heaven comes later. This is the cursed version that I already judged once with the worldwide flood because of sin. And I'm going to do it again, unfortunately, because I continues to move forward and reject and rebel against God. So we reap what we sow. But he tells us our future in advance so that we don't miss out on the joy here and now. And it's encapsulated, if you hang with me, with this one joke. Listen, one day there was this 85-year-old couple who had been married for almost 60 years. And suddenly they both died in a car crash. And they've been in good health for the last 10 years, mainly due to their interest in health food and exercise. And, and when they reached the pearly gate, St. Peter took them to their mansion. It was decked out with this beautiful kitchen and master bath suite and jacuzzi. And they oohed and they awed. And, and, and the old man asked Peter, well, how much is this going to cost? And Peter said, well, hey, it's, it's heaven. It's free. And so next they go uh, out to the back and they ch- see the championship golf course that the home was backed up to. And, and they learned that they'd have golfing privileges every single day. And each week the course would change to one of the famous golf courses back on earth. And, and so the man asked Peter, he says, well, well, how much are the green fees? And, and Peter said, this, this is heaven. You play for free. Well, next they go out to the clubhouse. They see this lavish buffet lunch with all the cuisines in the world laid out right before them. And, and so the old man says, well, uh, how much to eat? So Peter is getting a little bit exasperated. He says, well, don't you get it yet? This is heaven. This is for free. And the old man, he asked timidly, he says, well, where's all the low fat tables and the low cholesterol tables? And Peter said, well, hello, that's the best part. You can eat as much as you'd like, whatever you'd like. You never get fat and you never get sick. This is heaven. Well, at that, the old guy, he goes into this fit of rage. He throws down his hat. He's stomping on it. And, and so Peter and his wife, they're trying to comfort him, calm him down. They ask him what's wrong. And the old man, he looks at his wife and he says, this is all your fault. If it weren't for your stupid prunes and bran muffins, I could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> Pretty funny. And, so the, and the, the point is this. That's like us here as Christians right now. We act like we're trying to avoid paradise. It's, it's like we're trying everything we can do to somehow forget that where we're going is the best possible scenario, a place beyond our wildest dreams that Christ has won for us. And listen, that's not only a benefit from us. It keeps us from wasting our time, like that couple with all due respect, with humor, okay? But in all seriousness, it keeps us from wasting our time. It keeps us focused on the essentials. It keeps us focused on 
things above, not on this earth. Hey, it's hard enough living on this planet full of evil and suffering. But as Christians, we should know better. Don't forget about your hope of heaven. Don't don't forget what Christ has won for us. Don't forget that we're going to be walking on streets of gold. Everybody's down here running after gold like a rat. Heaven's so rich, we're going to be walking on this stuff. It's pavement in heaven, right? Don't forget our future. And not just for you, so that you can enjoy God's peace, but so it can show on your countenance, and so that our world, who is living in this suffering too, but they don't have answers, and they have no hope, because they don't have Jesus. We use these atrocities as an opportunity to share Christ with them. And that's when God does what God always does. He makes beauty out of ashes. And he there takes, it is. Right. He takes a tragedy like this and he'll turn it around and souls can be one for him and he can be a part of reversing the curse. They get to be with him forever in a place beyond. And God shows that he's on the throne He's in control, and yes, he's real, and yes, he's love. But that's why we're still here as Christians, because we're God's mouthpieces, we're his hands and feet, and we need to not get distracted, not bogged down, and keep moving forward, and certainly don't go AWOL. Pastor Billy Crone is our guest. GetALifeMedia.com is the website. We only have about two minutes left, Pastor. Um, any upcoming books, appearances that you want to uh, promote? Anything going on that you want our, our audience to know about? Uh, yeah, certainly. We got all kinds of new studies, new books. Uh, I call this the year of the books, man. We got, with all due respect, so many coming off. I'm not saying that to brag. We just got so many resources. Uh, getalifemedia.com. Check out the resources that we got there. Uh, Lord willing, this weekend I'll be speaking, uh, in Oklahoma City. Uh, if people want to check that out, certainly on our website, we have the itinerary. Uh, a few weeks after that, again, it'll be in Gettysburg. Uh, if folks are going to be in the area, I'd love to see them. Uh, and then, believe it or not, unfortunately, uh, I guess somebody's got a witness to the folks. Uh, in November, going to be uh, speaking in Hawaii, and uh, so pray for me, guys. And uh, so, <laughs> no, but but uh, folks out there, we're going to be there. Uh, would love to uh, meet them too. Um, but again, lots of resources. Again, we just came out with uh, two new prophecy books: the Final Countdown Volume One, the Final Countdown Volume Two. We're working on Volume Three. Uh, I, I just came out with a, another book on top of that called The Character of God. Uh, that's available. And a lot of these studies we now have not only on DVD but books, but we've created Bible study curriculums so you can bring this to your church or home Bible study or whatever and and hopefully uh, get busy getting equipped in these last days. Absolutely. Amen. Pastor Billy Crone, getalifemedia.com. Just bookmark it. Go to that site, check it out, and check out all the, the content that's up there, the uh, the media, uh, the uh video content that uh, Pastor Crone has put up from uh, interviews from a number of different places uh, to studies that he has done and it's a it's a fantastic site and you can get books and the DVDs there as well that is getalifemedia.com Pastor Crone thank you so much for joining us tonight it's great to have you back on yes and we look forward yep. to talking with you again here in the in the near future fantastic time yep thank you again guys it's, uh, it's always a joy alright that'll do it thank you Pastor Crone God bless you my friend until next God bless time. you too. All right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was a great interview indeed. Um, yeah, great one two punch uh, from Greg yeah, Jackson to Pastor yeah. Billy Crone. Now, now there, there's a lot of news, a lot of things breaking, of course. Uh, the news that you had mentioned about the change in the timeline. Las Vegas is getting weird, obviously. 
uh, and, and I'm going to tell you right, right flat out, just everything I've, I've, I'm coming up with here, uh, appears to be more than one shooter in addition to more than one person that, that certainly there, there was, there, this was a, uh, legitimate conspiracy by definition it's we're, we're going to be following this in more as the days progress but uh what, what a great program uh, now um tomorrow we've got a, a, a full boat as well um a lot of good information uh, phil mcconnell coming tomorrow yeah that should be a, we had a yeah. lot of listener response from him coming on the first time asking us to get him back yeah. So we will have him back on tomorrow. Remember how much he likes his sister. <laughs> no, that's a joke. Uh, we'll tune in tomorrow. You'll, I'm sure you'll hear about it. But that'll do it for us tonight here on Hagman Report. <laughs> there for a second, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the last interview we did with Phil McConnell. You'll yeah. know what I'm, t- yeah. what I'm talking about. That's but that'll do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. All right.